Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, how goodness gracious great balls of fire, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Hello, everyone. Once again, I'm resident explainer Kevin Mann, joined by the Clyde to my Bonnie, the Rusev to my Lana, and the Skylar to my Walter White, or the way around, whichever, Joe Graham. <laughs> Hi. I prefer to be a Saul Goodman to your Walter White, I think. They have yeah. a closer relationship. You just want your own spin-off podcast. I do. Better Call Joe. And like. I want to be played by Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bob Odenkirk could pull it off. That's, that's a reasonable request. Here's method actor. Yeah. You know? I just saw recently, um, not to completely hammer home this Rusev Lana point, but Joe does love garlic, and I do tend to crush it. So, I mean, you know... Just not force it. One of the many, many ways. Exactly. Many, like many ways. Along with the fact that I look really good in one of those kind of suits, you know. I look really good falling into cakes. And uh, Joe was also the recipient of the Gold Star Medal from the people of Bulgaria for her services to international communism. Little known fact about me, not everyone knows that. This episode is a very important one. One which I my heart has been filled with excitement about since I saw this requested. From Alex Thompson through to the watching of it, the fact that watching stuff for it was needlessly scuppered by EE. And yes, you do need a fucking network subscription to find out about Own Heart, more on that later. But it is about the rocket, the sole survivor, the black heart himself, Own Heart. I don't think it was just EE that didn't want us to do this episode. I really feel like the WWE themselves... The network has been trying really hard... Own who? ...to stop us from researching this episode. Earlier on this week, you watched WrestleMania 27. Oh, don't fucking remind me. I feel I should remind you <laughs> again and again and again. What, the fact that, like, for watching something for the Attitude Era podcast has filled me with a great sense of dread and foreboding, whereas <laughs> I literally was running home from work excited like a schoolgirl to show you own heart <laughs> matches and promos. Yes, I can see the, the parallel there. The things you have to do for podcasting. Seriously. But yeah, it keeps crashing out on us every time we try and watch any Owen matches. And also as well, Owen stuff is quite hard to come by. I mean, uh, yeah. when you search Owen Hart in the network, a little red squiggly line comes up underneath and says, don't you mean his older, more successful, well-known brother, Brett? No, we mean Owen. I tried to search for some Owen Hart matches to send to our illustrator, Dan. And this is when I knew literally nothing about Owen Hart. And the top result that came up for me when I searched for Owen Hart matches was Owen Hart died tragically. It literally the first 10 pages of Google about him dying. I managed to somehow, like, I've avoided anything to do with how he dies, but that's horrible. It is horrible that you're looking at a wrestler now who, and honestly, that's the, the reason... the thing I learned about. Why he's I, dead. Why I was filled with glee and all that. Like, it wasn't because, like, oh, here's the wrestler who died. I can't wait to tell you. It's, it's really sad when a wrestler gets kind of pegged with with one thing, and Own Heart's death is something we will discuss, but it is sad that that is yeah, how he is now. Yeah, the thing that comes up when you search for him. That's really sad. Have you, like, had any experience of Own, like, previously? I mean, had you heard his name before? Was he someone who you'd heard much about? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about him, so I knew he was Bret Hart's brother. And obviously, after watching all these matches, I feel really sad that the first two things I knew about Owen Hart was that he was Bret Hart's brother and that he died. That's, <laughs> That's probably not, not how a wrestler wants to no. be known. Yeah, especially someone like Owen Hart. So does that mean you kind of like 
for this one, you're kind of going in a good deal blinder than a lot of previous. Yeah. I'd say about as blind as the Mr. Perfect episode we did and sort of Kurt Angle. Like so in terms of like names that aren't kind of thrown around yeah. that much. Yeah, this was a, an interesting one. I mean, the artwork that Dan did just blew me away because when I, I usually send Dan a little description or kind of some stuff about the wrestler to kind of get the old creative juices flowing because Dan doesn't like watch a lot of wrestling. And like Owen, I was like, how do I describe him? And I sent him a message saying, Owen Hart is basically my favourite wrestler ever, so no pressure. <laughs> He's the jealous younger brother of another more famous wrestler, Bret Hart. And a lot of his character was always about him being jealous and trying to prove that he's his own man. He's a notorious prankster. The fans used to chant nugget at him for some reason, which always incensed his weird bad guy character. But as well as that, Owen was a very technical wrestler. And a lot of the style of wrestling that he was doing in the early 90s was pretty much the blueprint of a lot of the style of wrestling that you currently enjoy. That was like the main thing I learned, I think, from watching these matches about Owen Hart was how modern he seems. Ahead of his time, it's you could say. so... I mean, I don't know if it's... Because I know technical wrestling, it's not actually modern, really, because it was around a lot in sort of more old-fashioned yeah. eras of wrestling. But just the fact that seeing him wrestle that style against, say, Edge, mm -hmm. who's doing a more sort of attitude era, hard punches type style, it just, he comes across as so new, so fresh. It really reminds me of all the Cruiserweight stuff that we've been watching. I think that's a lot of things which new fans might find interesting, is that when, you know, one of the great things about looking back at some of these older wrestlers is kind of seeing like where, I mean, wrestling hasn't got much of a long-term memory, mm. and other than JBL kind of going, oh... Kerry Von Texas won the Texas at the heart of the Texas champion Texas in 1970. You know, other than that, you don't get a lot of kind of follow through and memories of wrestlers. So when you go back, it's always quite interesting to see, like, you know, new fans getting surprised. And you particularly are like, holy shit, 20 years ago, there were guys that were doing this supposed cutting edge stuff that yeah. we're seeing now. And that was like, with Owen trying to pare the list down to a few matches, because obviously we didn't want to just talk about the wrestler, we want to talk about owns legacy and also about you know some of his uh, his pranks and whatnot more on that later so narrowing his down to four matches was very hard i have to admit as well in the tweets and the facebook comments that we got so many of them were match recommendations like it was so match more heavy so, yeah so more so than previous episodes and i think what's interesting about that is firstly it shows you that people got a very strong memory or association with owen hart and amazing wrestling and it also shows as well that you know there's a lot more to come with us looking at own because we'll be doing rivalry episodes and stuff in the future so if you didn't do your favorite own heart match don't shit the bed. What we're always trying to do in How To Wrestling is to give new fans a kind of a sense of the wrestler. So these four matches, we're trying to give Joe a good sense of who Owen Hart is. And I said at the offset, one of the big things about Owen was being the jealous younger brother of a more famous wrestler. And that's not a matter of opinion, that is just a fact. He was the brother of a more famous wrestler, Bret Hart, who's a name I'm sure you've heard before. Yes, I'm... Somewhat familiar with Bret Hart. He's been on some modern wrestling show that I've seen. I wouldn't want to guess which one. Maybe WrestleMania? Yeah, he's, he's shown up in backstages and kind of smiling, happy to be here, folks. Yeah, he's like a genial, slightly middle-aged slash older man who is there and everyone talks about how great he is. <laughs> so he's well-respected. But before we delve any deeper into the rocket himself, Owen Hart, it is time for Joe to discuss what she learned in wrestling this week. Is it possible 
somehow that you've gotten worse at playing that. I've gotten better, baby. So this week, I learned in wrestling that after leaving WCW... World Championship Wrestling. Mick Foley, as uh, as made famous by Holy Foley, that show on <laughs> the network... Um, Mick Foley had a business selling leather jackets called Cactus Jackets. Yeah, so Foley, obviously, as a side business found a load of old leather jackets that fell off the side of a truck and lent his name to them. Were they any good? That remains to be seen. I've never owned a cactus jacket. And obviously I love obscure wrestling merchandise, but I doubt that anyone's going to get me a cactus jacket. Like, you well, know. I don't know. I might do if it looked cool. If it had like a cool mankind or cactus jack design on it. Well, the one thing I will say is from looking at the kind of advertising materials that they had for, uh, for, for cactus jackets, uh, Colette Foley, Mick's wife was advertising and modelling those jackets. Now, we've watched a few episodes of Holy Foley. We did review them on Patreon, but that's pretty much made us all realise that Colette Foley is the devil, and anything that she touches turns to acid and ash and fire. So I wouldn't want to buy those at all because she's seemingly the worst human being that has, has ever existed or ever will exist. If only Noel had modelled them instead, we'd all be lining up to uh, to buy them. Unfortunately, his wife Colette, who is the worst person that has ever lived, including fictional characters, chose to wear them. So I've just got a bit of a bad taste in my mouth about the whole <laughs> thing now, if I'm honest. <laughs> And what is interesting about them is that anytime a wrestler has done kind of like a bit of a wacky side project and they're asked about it, they're kind of like, oh God, let me tell you. Here it is, and funny story. Mm. And I know that Foley has been asked a few times, like on Twitter and in the stand-up shows, hey, what's the deal with cactus jackets anyway? And he's just like, well, I sold some jackets and I just tried to make a bit of money for my family and <laughs> we didn't sell that many. That's the story. That's the funny story. So, are they like leather jackets? Like, are they, what kind of jackets are they? They're just like leather jackets that Cactus Jack might wear. The ones that had the kind of like... Tassels. The, the tassels and the tethering on them and whatnot. The kind of ones that you could wear on the back of a motorcycle. I'm so intrigued. I wish I could Google them right now, but we've got no internet up here at the moment. I'm just saying, like, the, the problem there is that, like, Foley has missed his true calling as a jacket salesman as opposed to wasting his time with this wrestling business, which is never going to pick up at all. He should have stuck to what he knew. Clothes is a business that never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> So you can't talk about Owen Hart without talking about his brother, Brett. And you can't talk about the two of those without talking about their very, very famous match. Possibly one of the most famous WrestleMania matches of all time, which is Owen Hart taking on his brother, Bret Hart. Now, these two have faced off a few different times. And this isn't actually my favourite of their matches. But I thought from the story point of view and the significance and the history... And the fact that everyone who was tweeting in a match recommendation said, watch this match. That Joe and I should watch Own Heart versus Bret Hart from WrestleMania 10. Now, before we go into this match, I actually have some questions about the Hart family. Because you only kind of found out through watching this that the, you knew that he had a brother, Bret. Yeah. Did you know that the Hart family was like a big thing? Yes, because... WWE make a huge deal out of it every time Natalia is mentioned. Even Especially though, in like Total Divas and stuff as well. Yeah, so they always mention Hart family, even yeah. though her surname isn't Hart. Isn't it? No, it's Neidhart. Oh. That, that's just a coincidence. She's okay. she's the other side of the family to, to the Hart side. Oh. So, yeah. So you had questions about the Hart family. Wait, I want to know, because it's something that they mention a lot in the announcing yeah. for a lot of Owen Hart's matches. Um, is the the generations of, of wrestlers. Mm -hmm. So how long 
And how many generations of wrestlers were in the Hart family? Well, it all kind of started mainly with, I mean, Stu Hart is the name we probably heard quite a lot throughout these matches. They so always that's mentioned that's the dad. The dad, Stu and Helen. Stu and Helen Hart. Right. You've been listening to your Jerry Lawler commentary yes, today. Yes, I have. <laughs> now I'm racist. <laughs> I hate women. And I'm going to prison. <laughs> so Stu and Helen Hart were either the patriarch and matriarch, respectively, of the Hart family, and Stu um, started arresting territory up in the northern reaches of Canada. Started during the 50s thereabouts. Now, Stu was known as what's called a shooter. Now, a shoot in wrestling is what, Joe? That's when something is real. So, a shooter is someone who... I don't know. Someone is is real all the time. They wrestle for real. So he was a part of an actual club or a circuit of actual submission wrestlers. Well, I guess that isn't wrestling for real, just amateur wrestling. Yes, but this was wrestling for real and also with a penchant for let's see how sore we can make someone. Wow. And Stu Hart was a submission master, not in the sense that Michael Cole's going to say, look out, he might lock in the Stu mission. Stu Hart knew ways to make people sore that no one else knew. To this day, even though Stu has long since passed, he has an intricate knowledge of the human anatomy, specifically as it pertains to making someone sore. I don't understand what's the point of that, though, if you're just going to become a wrestler. Because he had a legitimate background, and obviously in the 50s before, it was very widespread and common knowledge that wrestling isn't real. Cover your ears, folks. We've exposed the business there. But if you were a legitimate athlete or you were a legitimate wrestler and you had like actual real-life experience, that lent credibility both to you and, if you were a promoter, your promotion. So Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling, that's what it was called, his little territory up in, in Canada, it was famous because Stu was a legitimate wrestler. People knew that he was a legitimate tough guy because... You know, you could go down to Stu's gym and he'd stretch you and make you fucking sore. And all the Stu's sons and um, all of Stu's sons became wrestlers in their own right in his territory. He booked them to be the stars. Most of the Hart family are actually older than Brett or, or own. People like Smith Hart, for instance, Bruce Hart. These are all guys who never would have been big names in WWE or anything like that. But in Canada, in Stampede Wrestling... They were the Hart boys. They were the stars of the territory. Yeah. And Owen was the youngest of 12 children. 12? 12. That's ridiculous. That's so many... Wow. I know. So it's not necessarily it was a case that it was generations upon generations of Hart. I think Stu's father had some background in legitimate sport. But, you know, he came to the country. They emigrated. You know, they lived out on the open plains of, like, northern Canada when Stu was a boy. So it really is, this, the, the Hart family is that kind of real one generation. You've got Natalia, obviously, but it's not as if all the children of the Harts went on and became wrestlers. Yeah. So it is more, it's not necessarily a dynasty, it's more as like probably a really insanely big We had collection. loads of kids and we made all of them become wrestlers. Yeah, yeah they all became stars. <laughs> now obviously as the territories wound down in the 80s and the 70s and Stampede became smaller and smaller, deals were signed then, so... You know, hey, you'll bring in Owen, you'll bring in Brett, there'll be stars, you get some money as the promoter. And Stampede Wrestling kind of wound down as Owen and Brett went over to WWF to find their fame and fortune. Right. Brett was pushed as, as a star, uh, you know, in one way or another. Owen was very, very low down. He was a young guy, he was quite small, he could do some high flying, which didn't amount to much in Hogan era wrestling. 
So Owen was relegated to pretty much... I mean, I showed you pictures of Owen as the Blue Blazer. Yeah, which is awesome. Hey, I'm the Blue Blazer and I'm saying you shouldn't smoke. It's bad for you. I'm going to rip up these cigarettes now. Don't even think about smoking them. I rip them up. If you do, you'll hurt yourself. And that's bad too. He was also part of High Energy with a wrestler called Coco Beware. That was when he had the baggy kind of... With the checked oh, sides. Oh, really the, bad, like, 90s. Yeah. And that's... His music is from that, isn't it? Yeah, that kind of, yeah, that, that kind of, like, 80s-style music. So Ong was never pushed as being, like, a serious competitor. See, it's interesting you mention his height, because I was trying to work out his height earlier, and Wikipedia says he's only five foot six, which sounds ridiculous. I, I, I mean, wrestler's height, I will say, is a slippery subject, because trying to find actual information is very, very hard. So I'm always inclined to believe the, the lowest number, because I think they're mm. always going to try and over exaggerate rather than under oh yeah but I always just feel like because I always use the Shane McMahon example when I met him like Shane didn't seem big on TV if you look at his height listed he's never seen as big yet he was taller than me I, how does that make any sense you know so I always so are you feel, sure he was taller than you it's a, maybe it just seems like it was he's a, you know your idol growing up he'd probably seem bigger because you said the same thing about Mick Foley that's Mick true Foley is definitely not as tall as you he is, he is shorter he is bigger but he's you shorter you said he was, he was taller than you but own heart being shorter than my girlfriend I mean I've well not the got exact to... same height <laughs> his, his build is being the exact same height as me that's really interesting yeah now, I've always been a tall guy, so I've been very kind of, I'm not like kind of, oh, how dare this person be taller than me? And all of a sudden, my favourite wrestler may be less tall than my girlfriend. I'm getting all, like, I small man. <laughs> no, not true. He's hope, definitely tall. I hope he was five foot six, because I think small man representation Absolutely. is a good thing. But you can talk about during the eras of Hulk Hogan and small man representation. Well, yeah. It was not going to get pushed ever. No. So Owen actually kind of went back and forth between WWF. He actually wrestled a bit in Japan. He wrestled a bit down in Mexico. He wrestled back in Canada for Stampede Wrestling, where a young Chris Jericho was very impressed by the high-flying antics of Owen Hart, because he was one of the first guys to do high-flying. And Chris Jericho's Canadian as well, isn't he? He is, yes. There's actually a great picture somewhere online, if someone could tweet Joe and show it to her, um, of Chris Jericho when he was a little boy, drawing a picture in his notebook in school of him and Owen Hart as the tag team champions, because he was his favourite wrestler. So Owen was known as being like the high flyer and Owen was, it was really interesting to think that he was kind of, not to say he pioneered it, but he certainly was one of the first people to bring it over into the WWF. Things that you might take for granted, like jumping off the top rope or springboards. It's really interesting because like, I wouldn't say the matches that we watched, there wasn't a huge amount of high flying going on. It was more technical, map based. And that was kind of Owen's thing was that he was able to synthesize the kind of European map based wrestling with some of the kind of flying and stuff that he was doing himself and maybe some of the kind of more hard hitting like suplexes and stuff that you would get in like Japan. So he was pretty much that prototypical modern wrestler that seems to have to be able to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, we watched the Cruiserweight Classic recently and William Regal had this problem like, oh, the modern fly has to be able to, to do submissions and jump off the top rope and hit hard and do... And it's like, that's own heart. Yeah. That's what he's basically saying. So, definitely ahead of his time and him getting this little push here against Brett at WrestleMania 10. I love this story because the story... I mean, when I watched this when I was a young, young kid, I had this on VHS. Younger brother, yeah. <laughs> I'm the younger brother. And there's no law that says just because you're older than me that you're better than me, Brett. And that's why I love this story. It's such a simple story. as old as time itself. Younger brother, older brother. Older brother doesn't want to fight his younger brother. Brett's like, I don't want to fight Owen. He's, you know, younger brother. 
I'll never raise my fists in anger to my younger brother Owen. And Owen's like, I hate you, Brett! You're so damn selfish! <laughs> so, watching the WrestleMania 10, watching this is the opening match for that, I always have shown Joe just kind of the opening moments of it so you can kind of get a sense for what wrestling was like at the time. And WrestleMania 10, wrestling was in a weird place. Post-Hogan, post kind of big guys, starting to scale down, faster in-ring action... We saw very young Vince and younger Jerry Lawler. What did you think of young Vince? <laughs> young Vince? Yeah, I mean, I've come across a bit of young Vince before, so it wasn't incredibly new to me. But it was weird because he was on commentary a lot. Yeah, what was that about then? He's not that good. What? I know, right? He, he tends Hot to tape. shout a lot. He mumble shouts. <laughs> what? Explain. What's well, like he shouts, but it's not quite coherent. Like some announcers can get away with shouting lots. Ball game! And, and you can at least understand <laughs> what they're saying. Whereas Vince mumble shouts where he kind of shouts, but you can't make out the individual words or syllables. And certainly, Owen Hart, one of the most technical... Oh, and then when a heart can to a... No. Here in the World Wrestling Federation, and quite frankly, many think he's owed a win here tonight. <laughs> So that was maybe not the greatest commentary in the world. No, but it is really interesting to to see little young Vince and and him as well, not as a heel, because I I always know Vince is, is the nasty heel. And he was the, he was the straight man here. He was the straight man, the little straight man. Must always make mention because it would give him shit and rightfully so, and you give him shit and rightfully so. But in this control, this is very much a PG time wrestling where we're watching at this moment. In very controlled PG, young, enthusiastic Jerry Lawler yeah, as a heel. He's very good. He was so fucking good. That he was amazing. Was. It's, it's kind of really hard to listen to Jerry Lawler in a way because I, I do, I understand that he is, he's a very skilled man. Oh, he's, he, he's, he's one of the best. I hate him. <laughs> but but he's, he's so, so good at what he does. <laughs> Like, I like him as a wrestler and I like him as an announcer and I well I like him as a, a PG announcer yeah under certain when conditions he's, he's yeah, a great when announcer. he's reined in he's fantastic it's when he's kind of talking about like you know Helen and Stu like dying of embarrassment yeah. because their children are fighting and all. I thought it was so it's fucking funny so funny but Jesus Jerry Lawler here even though he's young he looks like Randy from Trailer Park Boys <laughs> dressed up as some kind of king <laughs> so he's Jerry the King Lawler what do you expect him to dress up as Randy the King Lawler but he, <laughs> it's funny because he was there and he's wearing no top, big gut hanging on. And yeah. Joe was like, is he wrestling? And I was like, no. Like, Put a fucking there. shirt on. He's like. like Randy. He just didn't want to wear a shirt. I, like. I like to think that Randy, in the days when he did wear a shirt, were just terrible, tacky wrestling like <laughs> t-shirts with rhinestones. What would you rather? Dragons. Topless Jerry Lawler showing off some of that fluff or rhinestone terrible Jerry Lawler? I actually do prefer Topless Lawler with the shitty cape and the crown yeah I like when he had this big kind of Billy used to call it the, the carpet from the Aladdin King that <laughs> that jacket that he has I just wish more announcers dressed up in costumes yeah I think that's a real cool thing because you turn into wrestling it's like whoa look at this guy he's dressed like a fucking idiot is awesome. he wrestling? no well that's fine okay <laughs> So you have a recap of the feud of um, what originally happened. It was a really great slow burn and something which you probably don't get to see much anymore in wrestling, which is ridiculously long-term planning. Because obviously long-term planning doesn't work in a type of wrestling we have now where every week someone gets seriously injured. Yeah. But this started like at the previous November. This is like March, the previous November. They were sprinkling the seeds where they had all the hearts all joined up and they were on a, a Survivor Series team. So it was elimination, multi-man, match and Owen was the only member of the team who was eliminated 
and he was the only heart he was kicked out and he felt really hard done by he was embarrassed and he was all on his own he lost he was the only one to lose so then Brett takes him under his wing they're going to become a tag team and work together but Owen gets too jealous and he kicks Brett's leg out of his leg yes <laughs> Which is something many people tweeted at me. So what what did you think when you're getting all those tweets saying that he's going to kick your leg out of your leg? I didn't know. I never know with these things. I get sent all sorts of weird shit. <laughs> Do you know what it's like being me? I d- honestly don't, no. <laughs> Thousands of people just tweeting the words nugget at you. And leg out of leg. <laughs> leg out of his leg. It was tweeted at me as well in relation to a completely different match that happened at SummerSlam. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That that that, that leg cannon is. Dolph Ziggler's going to take his leg out of his leg. What does that mean? I was really really worried because I was like, I'm showing Joe this, and it was like they showed the recap of the feud. I was like, I better show her the leg promo. And he's like, I don't need you out there on a on a bad leg, Brett. You're too damn selfish, and that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. And you the, see the look the in his look. eye. Oh shit, no, 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 I've fuck I've done shit, it now. No. I've made a big mistake. <laughs> and I was worried that that might make Owen seem foolish to you. No, because it's just, it works with his character. It would be terrible if he was being some kind of like, you know, massive, brave, bold, baby face. Yeah. Sorry, but that's such a Greg from MasterChef quote Brave, babe, brave, bold bags of baby faces. <laughs> Where's the crowd reaction in this souffle? <laughs> but the fact that he's like this little cowardly heel in a way. Yeah. And he desperately, desperately wants to be accepted. And he's just as good as Bret Hart, who's so cool. And that's why I kicked my leg out of your leg. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so it just seems almost in character yeah. for him to do that. It's so perfect. <laughs> now, when Bret comes out, and when they're showing like the, the clips of him with the sit-down interviews, with the kind of the open shirt and all that... You were making note of Brett's handsiness. Now, obviously, Brett will have his own episode, but hot take, was Brett a hunk in your opinion? Yeah, Brett was a bit of a hunk. Yeah, absolutely. How how about Owen here? Now, uh, this is really interesting because when we first started watching these matches, I didn't think Owen was much of a hunk at all. Um, I could kind of see the appeal for Brett because I know a lot of people were kind of into Brett in, in his day, but Owen less so. But when we watched one of the later matches... You, he, t- he takes off a top at one point. We'll, we'll discuss this later. But his hair mm. flicks out. And oh, yeah. suddenly I was like, oh, I see it. He's he's really handsy. Ah. He's like 10 out of 10 on the handsy scale with the right hair and the right kind of look. It's nice to see a, a wrestler, a long-nosed wrestler get a... Oh, absolutely. You know, get representation yeah. here. And there's not too many long-nosed wrestlers, are there? Not Not many. really. No. Yeah. Big show. Has he got a long nose? He's got quite a long nose. He's got a big, the big show, the big nose. You know, he's got Triple H has got a big nose. Yeah, he does, he does. Yeah, that's his, that's his brand. But I think Owen's problem is that he's always slicking back his hair and he's going for this kind of weaselly, shitty I hair. love that slicked back yeah, yeah. hair thing. Oh, and, I love it. And I love that he comes out with this really, he comes out and looks really cool with his slicked back hair and he's got Brett's sunglasses he's on. He's in Brett's whole outfit, which really confused me because I was like, isn't that Brett's outfit? I guess I must be wrong about that. I know uh, it is Brett's it outfit. It is Brett's outfit that he's wearing. He was he was wearing his glasses to psych him out. Right. Because Brett usually comes out with his glasses and gives them to a kid. Yeah. Owen comes out and he rips up the glasses instead <laughs> and throws them away. <laughs> and there's, it's really cool the little things that they do. Like when he comes out through those cool X doors. Yeah. Those WrestleMania Very 10 cool doors. X doors, yeah. He, he comes out and there's no light on him and he walks out and the announcer says like Owen is stepping out of the shadows because it was Owen's kind a big moment 
to step away, saying that his brother was always overshadowing him and he was going to come and get him. Owns music, which is fucking sassy as shit. I love it so much. It's a very high-paced, very synthy. Is it a delicious song? I mean, is it a song that you would add to your... I mean, you've got a wake-up mix of wrestling themes. I think I need to hear it a bit more to really decide whether or not it's worthy of going on the wrestling themes playlist. What, you should, what I suggest you should do is, if you have any sort of very small victory, put that music on and raise it. Yes! Yes! Woo! I did it by myself! That That is... I mean, you will connect with the music in a way. Yeah. You know, if you're not listening to that song while doing that, you've not really listened to that song. Oh, okay. You know? Music is my life. Absolutely. So, Owen locks up with his brother, Brett, and immediately celebrates. Yeah, he gets, like, not even an offensive move in. It was like a... <laughs> it's like, oh, hang on, we have to start over. Yes! Woo! <laughs> um, I'm big up at trying to try and find points of reference for wrestlers and try and kind of equate them into real life. And, you know, Owen Hart's a wrestler I've been watching for the greater part of, like, 20 years in one way, shape, or form. And I've only, when I was watching with you, that I realised Owen Hart... Wrestling Rick Mail. <laughs> yes. He's got the kind of pointed features, yeah. the real kind of desperate, you know. I just feel like I could imagine Owen Hart driving towards someone very fast and going, You old gis, come here. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yes. I, I really think he's got that going for him. He needs a bald man to be his Adrian Edmondson. So I think so. Bottom tag. <laughs> Maybe a uh, British bulldog could have been like, you know, Aid Edmondson in this uh, scenario or whatever. Real talk, bottom as wrestlers. Fantastic idea as a gimmick. That's Someone a, take this right now and do it. You can have that one for free, Triple H. Please. There you go. <laughs> so Owen Hart displays amazing technical skill and at the same time amazing dickishness. Yeah. So he will constantly... I mean, this is something you've talked about with wrestlers you like to see, which is them mouthing off. I love it so much. And when he's got his brother in a chin lock yeah. and Brett's kind of got this look in his face, which is, what the fuck's going on? And Owen's just going, I'm better than you! I'm better than you! You can really see where Chris Jericho got his his heelishness from. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of Canadian wrestlers would kind of view him as being like, hell high regard. Because Kevin Owens as well. He's absolutely. really good for the mouthing off. One reasons, he have listed Owen. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. his, one of the reasons his son is called Owen is in tribute to, to Owen Hart. He's like, he held him very high. For a second, I forgot that Kevin Owens' name wasn't actually... Kevin Steve. Like, that's weird. Owen Owens. Owen that's Owens. That's an odd name. It is. <laughs> so you can even argue as well that Kevin Owens' actual ring name, because he couldn't use Kevin Steen, oh, as Owens. Kevin Owens. It was obviously because of his son, but his son's because of his own heart, so, you know. Wow. And that is definitely... I mean, I get the kind of joy from, like, the Kevin Owens, just pure fucking dick. Like, as in, you can be the biggest dick in the world, and, you know, you can be so cool, and we'll still cheer you, but you are a dick, and I get that with both of them. Kevin Owens is more like, because Owen Hart cares so much, that's where his, like, heelishness is so good. Yeah. Whereas Kevin Owens kind of cares so little. (laughs) Yeah, it's just there to make money, like. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas Owen, like, thinks he's got this weird point to prove constantly. (laughs) So he displays, I mean, some of the ground wrestling here... Um, I know we recently were watching the Cruiserweight Classic. We were raving about like Drew Gulag and Zack Sabre Jr. and Jack Gallagher as well. The fact that they're doing all this kind of fast-paced, map-based grappling. Mm. And Owen and Brett are so fast at what so they're fast, doing. Yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of it is because they're kids growing up with each other. I yeah, mean, I they're imagine, probably... Yeah, you, I mean, having a brother or a sister, you always do play fights. So you kind of get to know their moves. Yeah. I think if you're also a wrestler and you're being trained from a very young age... 
even more so. So it makes perfect sense that they're so in tune with each other. And I love that as a story, which is like, you know, a lot of times, and I think a lot of the reason why a lot of people fell out of favour with map-based wrestling is it was viewed as this, like, kind of necessity. It's the start of the match, you can't go for your moves, so we have to, like, pretend to do this kind of slow, grindy, like, roll around a bit, get up, headlock, arm lock, fucking wrist lock, and then just go through the motions. That's terrible. And that's really soured a lot of people on because it's just like, it's boring, there's no yeah. psychology to it, why are you going after his wrist and then your neck? Whereas these two, it's like, Owen has to prove he's better, and these two were taught this by their dad, and how best to do it than this. And the two of them, if you kind of have that in the back of your mind, and they're going like fucking pit bulls, mm. it's because they're going through all the moves, all the things, and they all know the reversals, and it really just tells this amazing story that yeah. these two know each other so, so well. I have a question. Yes. Totally off topic. Mm. But when did refs stop wearing bow ties? Because the ref in this match is dressed so well. With a little baby blue, little little black bow tie. I think it would have been around towards the uh, start of the Attitude Era, into the new generation. So like 96, 95, I think even as early as that. It's a trend that needs to make a comeback. Oh, it's it's good. It's really good. good. They look snappy. Very snappy. You need the refs to look smart. Absolutely. Um, what I would say about that ground wrestling, a lot of the technical stuff we saw at the start, I mean, so many times where I've been trying to get people into wrestling, and I'll show them all the high spots and all the kind of, you know, the ladders and the exploding tables and all that, and that makes them go, whoa. And then it's kind of like, here's a real kind of, here's a wrestling match. Mm. And it's it doesn't connect in the same way. And I've always wondered if that was like, just showing people the wrong stuff, or they're not really like into it as a wrestling fan. But, like, the noises you were making while they were doing this technical stuff was, like, you were screaming, whoa, and on the edge of your seat. And I really just think that's further evidence that you can dazzle a new fan and you can dazzle someone who's seen just kind of maybe some of the more flashy stuff and not have to kill yourself in the process. I think there is a bit more to it, though, than that. Like, I think if you'd shown me this match a year ago, Mm. I don't think I would have appreciated it nearly Mm. as much because... I think you do need to watch maybe a, just a bit of wrestling yeah. to kind of see the difference between the sort of the, the map-based wrestling that you were talking about a second ago, the slow, awkward, boring, you know, the stuff that Randy Orton does. <gasps> I said it. Hot take. Um, he hears voices in his head. <laughs> One of them is a critical British lady telling him that she doesn't <laughs> like his mat wrestling. <laughs> but I think you do kind of need to see some some shit in a way before you can maybe appreciate. I'm not saying definitely. No, you're, you're absolutely me, I right. Think that would have been the case. I wonder if it's okay. Kind of like if you've only ever had amazing pizza, then you won't ever appreciate it because mm. you never had a shit pizza. Yeah, it's probably like that as well at wrestling. <laughs> you got to have some of that sour to appreciate the sweet. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah, that that maybe was 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 going into it here. I love Owen's selling. Can we talk about his selling oh, for a please, second? Please, please, God, he's so good. What was it that he was doing that kind of impressed you? I don't know that there's anything like in particularly special. Just the way he reacts to moves is just so... It just seemed really real. and Like, quite funny at points as well. I was going to say there's like a certain kind of snugness to the moves that they do that kind of makes the selling more believable like everything's kind of fast and snappy mm. there's no there's not like a second where they're kind of like oh shit you know the wrestlers have that kind of yeah, deer in the headlights like kind of have to think this through well, a sec yeah. yeah you know and that's totally understandable that, that happens in wrestling yeah, yeah. matches particularly if you're calling a lot of it on the fly and this is not Brett and Owen wouldn't sit down with a fucking powerpoint or whatever can be alright we're going to do this and then we're going to do this you know this is a lot of this is just kind of them deciding, feeling the crowd, yeah. knowing what they can do, 
and going with it. But Owen's selling makes it so believable. And Brett as well, because Owen goes after Brett's leg. And so many fucking times with wrestlers and they forget which leg they're selling and they'll stop selling it because they're doing a comeback. Brett, on star, that leg being worked over till the end, it's sore and you believe it. It's not an, oh, my leg is sore. It's, no, I'm trying to deal with this and overcome it. I'm only going to sell it so much that, you know, it's aggravating me. Not kind of, wham, my leg is sore. So I was really impressed with both of them with their selling. just that, though, because if I'm correct here in this match, so Brett gets thrown off over the, one of the ropes. Yeah. And then he lands awkwardly on one of his legs, yes. right? Yes. So was that planned? Yes, that, that was, was planned. that was because the. Owen is facing the other direction when that happens, so you wouldn't think he's like, ah, see, you fell on your leg, but you can sell from Brett selling that he's hurt, and that's why Owen and goes then after Owen him. targets it. So it's just like it's just so good. It's the difference between like a really shit, like little, you know, a, a layered story, because you know, that's what wrestling is: it's storytelling. Yeah. The difference between a layered story where it's like, oh, and that, ah, you know. And one which is just kind of, and then they did the big move, you know, and that's what you're getting with, with the likes of Brett and Owen is that kind of higher level. Um, Owen hits some really sick moves when he takes control, like some big suplexes, his spinning heel kicks that he does where he kicks them right in the side of the head. It's really kind of, you know, that, that idea where you, you have to hit someone hard and bam, it's make a big noise. Mm. Like you can watch a lot of wrestling now and every wrestler is doing a super kick or a big kind of strong bam and a big noise. Own, like for the time, doing those kind of slappy kind of uh, kicks that make big noises and big impact. Some of them are so loud. I mean, if you think like two years previous to this, you were seeing the likes of Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Two years? Yeah, two years previous to this. this so when was this? This was like 1994. But yeah, two years previously, you would have had the likes of Hogan in the main event, or that's the kind of style. And those guys weren't hitting each other hard. They certainly weren't doing suplexes and... Owen does a fucking tombstone pile driver at one point. He just yeah. drops Brett on and then he dives off going for the big headbutt. Fucking incredible. It is. It's just amazing. So Owen goes after the leg and he kicks Brett's leg out of his leg in the process. And Brett starts kind of mounting a comeback but it's that kind of awesome, ow, I can't do my full load of stuff because my leg is taking me down and... Brett's meant to wrestle later in the night as well. And they're oh, like, yeah. is Brett's heart really in it? Does he really want to fight his brother? The whole time, Owen's going, yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, at one point, Owen gets Brett in the figure four leg lock. Ah, yes. Makes me sound like I'm a very knowledgeable fan. I asked Kevin what it was called, and then I wrote it down. I had to tell her, like, you know the thing that Charlotte does, the figure eight? She's like, yes, it's that, but it's a more basic version of it. <laughs> So I have a, like a new fan question, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Owen gets Brett in the figure four leg lock. Yeah. Which is like his legs are kind of entwined with Brett's legs, basically. <laughs> Fun fact, if you're a new fan at home, try and do the figure four leg lock on someone. Why you, would you do that? Because you won't be able to. Yeah, I can't do that. No way. Every single time someone goes for the figure four leg lock when they're wrestling their mates, me included, right, you, you get their leg and you go, you pretend to be Ric Flair, you go, woo, and then you step over the leg. And then you forget what else you meant to do. Yeah. It's really complicated. No, it looks really complicated. <laughs> but yeah, he gets him in this leg lock. And then Brett kind of spins around. He does like a little roly-poly kind of thing, <laughs> but sideways. And then he's winning. Right. What happened there? Because I would have thought... 
So once your legs are all tangled like that, and then you like twist around, you'd be mad sore. You just get yourself in more pain. You're That's more true. More painful. What the theory is, and honestly, as someone who's never successfully locked in the figure four leg lock in my lengthy uh, backyard wrestling <laughs> career, <laughs> I say backyard living room. Okay, we right. use co- couch cushions. We're not lunatics. Okay. <laughs> um, I was I've never successfully locked in a figure four, so I've never been able to test this kind of shoot theory. The idea is, is that. When you're at the figure four leg lock and you have the guy like that and you're putting pressure on their leg because you're using their leg to kick their leg out of their leg, uh, then you turn them over. And by turning them over, you're apparently reversing the pressure. So the person who's originally receiving the move, now they're applying pressure to the other person's leg. And so that's why you always see Ric Flair will put someone in a figure four leg lock and then they'll start bringing their arm up like that, looking like they're trying to get like a really hard, stucking shit. I like you shit. mentioning these Ric Flair matches, which I've never seen. Well, Ric Flair is the, was my go-to explanation for, uh, oh, yeah, for figure I've four. Oh, other times Charlotte does it as well, I guess, okay, where like yeah. she'll be put him in that, that move and the other person will start going, Bleh! and start trying to turn over. And they turn over and like it's like, oh my God, they've turned them over. You meant to be reversing... The pressure. Okay. A follow-up question. Yeah. Why didn't he do that straight away? Because he was there in this leg lock for like ages. Mm-hmm. And if you knew you could just get out of a move by spinning around, yeah. why not just do that immediately? Because you can't just flip him over. He's to kind of... He's, if you notice, he tries to like rock him over, get the bit of momentum. He's He has to kind of, you know, start building it and building it so he can then turn over, Okay. It's like if you're an old person, when you're 40, you try and like roll over on your side. You or can't do it straight chair. away. Yeah, just you have to kind of work your way up to it, like, you know? Owen kicks Brett's leg, and then it, it just sounds wooden. He was, I think I always asked you to kind of like keep an eye out for, or an ear out, I should say, when Brett is getting kicked in the leg by Owen. It's horrible. Like, it's just, like that noise you were hearing. Oh, that doesn't sound good at all. I tried to make a wooden thump noise. <laughs> on a wooden table. On a wooden table. What you're actually hearing there is own kicking the fleshy part of Brett's thigh. So that's the making contact there pretty much. Right. So it's sore, but Ow. it's making a noise. But there's certain parts of the body, like you know when people are doing chops, you're hitting them there. But it's going to make a noise, look sore, probably feel sore, but no long-term damage. So right. that's what okay. you're seeing there. There was a move which you were you kept, you were very impressed by. I know it's a good move when you turn around and immediately ask me what the name of it is. Mm. But there was one in this that Brett did when he was mounting his comeback that you were really impressed by. So you told me it was called the Bulldog. The and Bulldog. it looks awesome. Yeah. And I wanted to know, does anyone else do that move? Because I've never seen it. Trish Stratus used to do it uh, when she was first starting off and then did like a modified, more advanced version of it once she became so a proper, proper wrestler. She's Canadian as well, isn't she? She is, yes. I don't so know. is it like a Canadian move? I don't necessarily think it is. Because I know a lot of people do it. that there's like a Canadian style of wrestling, which I really like who who to- oh, I thought it was a secret Canadian club that controls wrestling and who told you like so yeah the the, the bulldog headlock is 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 one that's been done by not just Canadian wrestlers but it's a move that is um, let's just say it's it's easy to do poorly um, because you have to get him like right snug in there when Brett does it it looks awesome yeah um, don't judge that move based on Brett doing it because when Brett does a move he tends to do it better than most of his peers. So they start trying to lock in the sharpshooter, which is Owen and Brett's famous submission move, mm-hmm. which the, the canon has always been like, oh, their father taught it to them. It's this like ultimate, can't reverse it. 
the reality is someone in Japan was doing it and they're like here do you want to nick that yeah alright come on then oh, that's, the way. that's how it is because like, it was like Sting you know Sting yeah, we, yeah Sting does the, the Scorpion Deathlock which is the same move and people are always like oh my god man Sting stole it from uh, from Brett or no man Brett stole it from Sting and it's like no I just stole it from some lad in Japan <laughs> oh okay that's alright then I guess like ah he's got some name we can't we haven't heard of we him we can nick it it's nice he's not coming yeah. over here what's he gonna do complain he can't even speak English we can steal it it's, it's horrible that it's something we've noticed a lot of when you kind yeah. of work out about, hey, where does that move come from? It's like, oh, they just stole it from some guy in Japan. No biggie. Like, <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah, they're trying to lock in the sharpshooter back and forth, and Jerry on commentary is kind of going, like, oh, that's Owen's move. Brett stole it from him. <laughs> There's a very, very fun moment where Owen kind of cuts out all the fancy wrestling and he just hits Brett right in the dick, right in the, the leather regions with a low blow and a kick. Owen gets a very, very scary-looking roll-up. Like, Brett's up on, they're up on the shoulders, and he rolls him down. You think Brett might reverse it. Owen manages to hold on, and he wins in a real big upset moment, seeing as Brett was, like, former champion at the time, was off to the main event that night to wrestle for the belt, which he also won. The idea of Owen, the younger brother, beating him was, like, huge upset. Like, massive upset. And what I love most about it is... You know, it's Brett's face as soon as Owen pins him. He doesn't go, oh, gosh dang it. He just looks like miserable. Yeah, he's sits depressed. Up, and Vince is like, I don't think his heart was ever in it. Like, he didn't want to fight his brother. Aww. And what a lovely little sad story that is. With the yeah. two brothers kind of falling out of favour with each other. And they would like play on this story for, for years before the two of them kind of reconciled on screen, which wow. is really cool. I must admit, the um, attention I was paying to Brett's face was minimal. Because Owen <laughs> expelled white fluid from his mouth and covered you call it his a fluid. own face. It was just shit tons of this whiteness. You claim it was fluid, but for it to be a fluid, it has to be able to flow. And that was oh, almost that's like true. a. It's almost like a jelly mm, kind. It was of. like a jelly or. A- <laughs> Some kind of, yeah, sticky substance. White phlegm kind of stuff. And Owen wins and he's all like, yes, I did it, woo. All over his face. And they do the promo with Owen and he's got it. uh, I don't intentionally show any wrestlers who've got spit all over the place. I think you do. I think you love to watch me squirm. Guys, she's buying it. She thinks that we're doing this wrestling podcast and just about to show her gross spitting phlegm. How to phlegm. How to gross. What did you think of the match though? Absolutely loved it. I've given it 4.5 stars <gasps> out of 5. Very good. Definitely got to be one of the best ones we've we've seen, generally. Well, is it like of all the matches you've seen on How To Wrestle? Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there in, in wow. a top 20 list, top 10 list, maybe. I'd have to sit down with a pen and paper then. Well, I will say, there is another match I want to show you. We'll probably do it if we do Brett or like a rivalry episode. But these two had a cage match. Yes, some people on Twitter have mentioned the cage match. And I'll say, because I know you're someone who's previously said you don't like cage matches because they're kind of a bit like hokey or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, we should watch that match and your mind will be blown by it. Are you sure I won't be distracted the entire time by like, he just walked out the door. He just walked right out that door. Oh, don't worry, honey. They addressed that problem. Yeah. So you did have Owen, like, Brett wins the title later that night and did the whole thing where, like, Brett was the champion, but, like, Owen won King of the Ring and Owen was always like, I beat you, Brett, you know, so he was always claiming he was better. Uh, Owen won King of the Ring and referred to himself as the King of Hearts. Excellent. Fantastic. Fantastic. Love it. And uh, Owen, like, 
<laughs> would have these like tights with like you know like the, the king of hearts like on the side of it and all that it was really really cool the next match which we watched one which was recommended just for in terms of blistering fast pace because a lot of the time with own when you're watching some of his matches he is holding back in terms of how fast he can go so we decided to watch own heart versus Shawn michaels from in your house six and in one of those true fitting kind of show Joe the pay-per-view and you know join it randomly midway through so you can kind of get a feel of the flavor of what was going on at the time because you could watch WrestleMania 10 and be like whoa Madison Square Garden brother versus brother technical wrestling crowds into it was wrestling the best thing ever in 1995 1994 kind of well alas not because when we joined in to started watching this we saw Duke the Dumpster Drozzy uh, cutting a promo. Um, I asked you what you thought his gimmick was, and you said, "Is he a bin?" <laughs> you might as well be. He's a he's a garbage man. What a gimmick, hey? Yeah, Vince McMahon spent all of yesterday afternoon thinking of that one. Do you think he'll ever be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Unless it's kind of like a gag Hall of Fame. Was <laughs> it the idea like at the time Vince kind of sitting around kind of going? What if a garbage man like if he'd was been, to wrestle? If he'd been awake like an hour earlier, I bet it would have been a milkman. What if we had a paper delivery boy? <laughs> or even <laughs> earlier. A wrestler. What if we had a wrestler who just couldn't sleep at night? What would happen? <laughs> the insomnia. What if there was a wrestler who was a waiter? You know, it's <laughs> there wasn't a lot of thought going in at the time and I think In Your House 6, just kind of going from the grandeur of Madison Square Garden to the grandeur of a very small little white house that they I had I love this. the goofiness of the brand of In Your House. It's so... It reminds me a lot of this um, kids' TV show that used to be on when I was growing up. Oh, is it the, the thing where you have to like run yes! through all the rooms and yes! fuck shit up? Fuck shit up, make a big mess and find the item that you had to find. I forget what it's called. Like, I used to think it was called Upstairs, Downstairs. No, that's the one that. That, uh, that David Brent comes up with in the office is <laughs> his idea but yeah you have to like rip through shit and uh, you know find your item or whatever finders keepers I don't know I, th- if it was I think that. it was no, finders keepers I think it's the word house in it find finders keepers house mm. house of finders keepers Regardless, you were very. Uh, were you impressed by the kind of the, the goofiness? I mean, was it like no. WWF, like you knew, or no? It seemed like we had created it on universe <laughs> mode on two K sixteen. Like we're gone. What's this weird ass gimmicky brand we can come up with? Here we go. In your house six. You know what the funny thing is as well, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you might think, oh, in your house, was this is kind of like one off kind of here's a weird house. Well, no, gimmick. six. I'm guessing there were five previous. Oh, there were loads. There was like twenty something of them, and the majority of them had that weird house in the fucking front. Terrible. It's like clip art. <laughs> It's like WWE hired a graphic designer and he died and Vince was like, shit, what can I do? And he went on Word and found some clip art and was like, that will do. For you as a new fan, because I mean, you watch you know, the modern show and even if they're in a smaller building like for NXT or Cruiserweight Classic, I mean, the production values, like how they make everything look so fucking pro. And mm. like, does it feel weird going back and watching kind of a show where like you've got a little bit more of a primary school nativity play kind of set as opposed to <laughs> HD mega screens? I mean, I think I kind 
kind of expected it a little bit because when when was this then? Like 1996-ish? Yeah, there are about 25. Yeah. So of. the 90s were like that. I mean, just everything back then was like designed for kids, I guess. You thought the 90s was an era when actually wasn't. It was just a, it was a cutout of an era with a kind of a board hanging up against it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a pa- it was a painting of an era. Yes. Like all those things you like about the 90s, like street sharks and stuff, they weren't actually real. It was just a painting. It was wow. just held up. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. It is. Um, Jim Cornette was spotted. Yeah, which is really weird because I was like, I recognise that guy on the left. Like, what's he from? Well, yeah, what do you know of Jim Cornette from? I know of him from Wrestling with Regret. That That's that's it. <laughs> like, him and Brian Zane are tied in my mind as being, like, friends. So Jim Cornette <laughs> owes, like, one kind of, oh, you're to Brian Zane is what you're basically yeah. saying. Yeah. I, I saw Jim Cornette and I was like, oh, who's he? Oh, he's the one who's been on Brian Zane's videos. I hope Jim Cornette somehow hears this and realises that's how he is known to me. To be honest, I do think, you know, given that he's getting a little bit older, Brian Zane does a better Jim Cornette impression than Jim Cornette can do these days. Brian Zane's Jim Cornette, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. It's a it's hundred times better than actually Jim Cornette. So what did you think of Jim Cornette being like Own Hearts manager coming out here? I mean, did you notice his, uh, his special gimmick that he had with him? The tennis racket. Yeah, could you maybe offer an explanation as to why you think Jim Cornette had a tennis racket? Um... I mean, because you didn't seem to question it. Is that like just a thing that you're kind of just used to wrestling? Like, he's got a blank, that's his gimmick, <laughs> era fuck it. I'll be honest, it was something I was going to ask on the podcast. <laughs> I was saving it. But, no, I don't know. I assume, has he just come from a tennis match? <laughs> Him that... and Vince McMahon, like, they've not bothered golfing. They're going to start tennis playing. Is it, or maybe it's badminton. Because he was all like dishevelled coming out. He thought maybe he had done a quick set. Or, he like... kept slamming it on things and throwing it around and waving it. I would love to do an episode on Cornette at some point. But what did you think of him as a manager? Do you think he added to the Owens act? Or did he get in the way, do you think? I think he was a little bit distracting at points. Mm. Because like, the, I, I do believe there is a fine art to being a manager. In, I, within I, I would imagine, of yeah. I'd say. Like, Paul Heyman is kind of like the pinnacle of, of, of best possible managers, I think. Ooh! I those mean, those two are very him. much kind of polar opposites in many ways. So What, him and Jim Cornette? Yeah, like a little bit of a rivalry yeah. almost of who's better. And it's well, interesting it's just, that you would say there's a new fan. He's so good at doing the promos, but when the match is on, unless it cuts to him, you're not going to notice him. Yeah. And that's, I think, that's kind of what a manager's role should be. Shouldn't be making a load of noise. And slamming tennis rackets down. He seemed a bit kind of like, look at me, look at me. Oh, interesting. And, you know, when you've got Shawn Michaels in the ring, you can't really be doing that. <laughs> now, this match, like, as we started to watch this, I was like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be fucking, I, I regret this immediately because you were so fucking smitten with 90 Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, and I thought, it. Oh, God, this is terrible because we're going to completely overshadow Owen. Although, and I thought for a second, no, Kevin, you're actually being quite brilliant there because that is kind of apropos. That's what happened with Owen's career. He did get overshadowed an awful lot by the bigger, shinier, fancier toys. You think of Shawn Michaels as bigger and fancier from this? I mean, he's pretty fucking fancy here, Shawn Michaels. (laughs) I just love him. I'm sorry. I just, I, I I love him in this just his entrance. When Shawn Michaels' music hits, you expect him to kind of come through the doors. And he as, does. As is typical. Yeah, as is expected. Well, of that's a good what me and the rest of the club would be expecting from their wrestlers. <laughs> and instead, no, he comes from the ceiling. Pardon? And it's great because he comes from the ceiling in this like spangly outfit looking like a gay icon 
And then he does this ridiculous dance, which isn't sexy, but I love that because he's got the sexy boy music and his whole thing is he's a sexy boy. So just so if someone's wearing an outfit that's not sexy, a loud voice going, sexy, 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 <laughs> won't make it sexy. No, I feel really bad because I don't remember who it was who said this, but someone tweeted at us saying that Shawn Michaels is like a eight-year-old boy who's like just discovered what his genitals do. <laughs> It's really trying hard to show that he knows what sexy is. Yeah, that's why he's rubbing up against that rope and all that. Like, Dude, dancing. I just love it so much. Like everything about Shawn Michaels here is ridiculous and silly, and I love it. And I love how much Owen hates Shawn Michaels yeah. as well. They're doing the story that Shawn Michaels had been like injured, and Owen was said that tonight he was going to like give him a concussion and all. It was really funny because like you know even with the network where they do edit stuff and they do edit like certain kind of very salacious lines, you know, particularly as it relates to shots to the head. But there is frequent talking here where they're like, Owen Hart's gonna give him a concussion tonight here, McMahon! He's gonna, he's gonna make him brain dead. He's not gonna have to retire from his concussions. I'm kind of like, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> don't... I, I don't know, where do you stand in the whole using concussions as a storyline? I can understand why they did it back then. Didn't know, I guess, they didn't did they? Know. Well, yeah. I hope they, they probably did No, they bit. didn't, really, do I don't think. Mm. Well, I mean, I know our knowledge of it has greatly increased. Yeah, like. of course. So I can kind of, like, I'm not going to criticise them too heavily for making jokes like that if they didn't know. But, like, I think nowadays that would be tasteless. I think so, yeah. I think, knowing what we know now, that's kind of quite poor taste to There's do There's other ways you can kind of draw heat or whatever. Yeah. What's interesting, though, this match is that you get a great tale of two halves here. Shawn Michaels starts off the match with mind games. He leaves the ring and goes to high-five everyone. Then Owen leaves the ring to do the same thing, but no one will high-five him. And he's like, <laughs> what's wrong? Why won't you high-five me? And then we get the, the honest lines of commentary of all, of all night, which is Vince McMahon going, unquestionably, Shawn Michaels is a hot dog. He's a hot dog and he knows it, yeah. is another one. So, how is Shawn Michaels a hot dog exactly? Well, well I want to know what you think that might mean. Um, I want it to mean that hot dog is a term for a sexy boy. <laughs> because he's like a phallic kind of image? Or... Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. He's a hot dog because he's made of assholes and pink cheeks. No, uh, <laughs> A hot dog, if you're hot dogging, the verb means that you're kind of showing off. Oh, look at this guy hot dogging all over the place. And a hot dog is one who hot dogs. So a person who often hot dogs, as in shows off and all that jazz. The only reason I know that word so much is that Macho Man Randy Savage, when he feuded with Hulk Hogan, didn't like that Hulk Hogan was always hot dogging and grandstanding. And he, he gets so angry talking about Hogan being a hot dog. And I thought that was funny. Hulk Hogan, Hogan is a hot he dog. He is a hot dog. Literally looks just like a hot dog. He, and he's actually, like, if you, you could eat Hulk Hogan and you wouldn't go to prison because he is just made of hot dogs. I think he is made of pig anuses and parts. If you see him, just eat him and you'll find out that we're true. But mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels here is known as being a hot dog because he's, 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 he's very much like, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm a hot dog. Get your hot dogs. So what does let's get some mustard for that hot dog mean? Um, I think that's what is called like failed wordplay, where one of the commentators was like, "Shit, they're talking about hot dogs. Uh, when we get some mustard for that hot dog?" No, it came out of nowhere. There was nothing about the hot dog. That conversation had happened already. Then continued with the match. And then out of nowhere, I think it was Jerry Lawler says, let's get some mustard for that hot dog. Well, if there was silence, then obviously it's Vince taking out the headset going, why the fuck did you abandon my hot dog metaphor? <laughs> You're going to say, we need some mustard for that. But Vince, that is like, shut the fuck up. 
And then we get back to hot dogs. Um, so Shawn Michaels in this match was acting, in my opinion, like a total heel. Yeah, it's not interesting. But he, you say he's not, he's a, he's he's a face. Total face here, total face. But he's not because he's obviously a heel. I mean, why, why does it that he's doing that to obviously a heel in your mind? Well, wasn't he just like kind of showing off a lot and being sneaky and I don't know, like heelishness. It was because there's a real cool thing that he did, which was he put like Owen in a headlock, and he, you get to the count of five, and then if you hold on, like because he was he was an illegal move, and you get to the count of five, you have to let go, otherwise you get disqualified. And Sean was there to the count of four, and he went whoop like that really quick, and then put it back on. And I thought that is a dick move. It's proper dickish moves. A lot of it with Sean, this character he had at the time was that he was acting like a dick but he was doing it to heels and being very entertaining and Owen's a great foil obviously for that and Owen getting all enraged because Owen's got such a short fuse because yeah like the thing where at the very beginning of the match he immediately leaves the ring which is a very Kevin Owens type thing to do yeah but yeah he's not a heel I know I guess he's just kind of he's playing up that kind of charismaticness you know that's what he would do that was his whole spiel do you think a gimmick like that would work on the modern day roster oh absolutely if you what, take like someone a heel that's not a heel but no like in the fact that if you had someone like a rich swan or someone like that or kind of, you know just kind of a real kind of charismatic guy and he kind of plays like fun games on his opponent and kind of you know makes his opponent particularly if they're like a, a nasty heel like, like Owen is like make him the butt of the joke that's the kind of why, how he's being a face here is that he's making the heel who takes himself very seriously the butt of a silly joke. See, I don't know if it's just because I instinctually root for the underdog, but like mm. to me, watching this match, if you weren't sitting next to me, I'd be coming out of that match going, "Oh well, Shawn Michaels is the nasty heel." And poor Owen, Owen like. like you know, being rejected by everyone, and he's just trying his best. Owen's really trying hard this like to to keep up with Shawn. Goes to like, high five all the audience, and no. they reject him. That's Cruel. Like Owen, like he's he's desperate to prove that he's just as good as Sean. Like, like <laughs> Sean, like he does his big flip up, and then Owen does it straight away. And what happens loads is that you know Shawn Michaels just out wrestles him like at every corner, and like Owen builds that frustration. It's really really brilliant. <laughs> but like this pace of this, like once you know once the hot dog and stops, and they actually start going move for move, those guys are bouncing off the ropes like it's non amazing, fucking yeah. stop. And that's a real sign of a guy if he's got, like, cardio, if someone can really go. If you can keep running those ropes, which ain't fun, and Owen and Sean, wow, those two can go fast. It's ridiculous. Weird, interesting point here. So, I know I'm always one to kind of point out strange things like dongs and what have you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But visible panty lines. Mm. Something you don't... The old VPL, yeah. You never see it in current day wrestling, like... Any gender, no one you can never see their pants. I don't know if it's the design of the wrestling gear. I assume it must be. Must be. But in this match, and I've noticed a couple of other matches from this kind of era, you can see their pants underneath. So what, specifically, Shawn Michaels. Both or? of them in this really? match. Yeah, you can see clear pant lines. That's so strange. Cause it is, yeah, because you just never see it. Usually, when you'll see this guy with longer tights, you can kind of see the outline of like because they might wear like a set of tights underneath that in case right. you know something gets pulled or whatever. In Shawn Michaels, usually more than often that his butt would come out in, in one way shape he or form loves it. he loves it but it's very interesting I wonder if that's like we need to get some sort of like seamstress or someone with knowledge of it because yeah. I've not spent a great deal of time looking at the pant lines see this is of, the real the real skill that I bring to this podcast and, and to the wrestling community in general is <laughs> pant lines I pay attention to things like penis shapes in <laughs> the, the tights and pant lines and, and we need to know this it's important it's very important 
Um, own power slams Shawn Michaels on the outside with a sickening thud. And it's very scary watching guys do moves to the outside. Own does you know, some dives and slams to the outside in the matches we watched during this time. And there ain't no padding out there. You've got very thin mats and pure concrete underneath. Plus, we watched this oh. really shortly after WrestleMania 27, where the Miz gets a concussion. <laughs> so I'm particularly sensitive about that at the moment. Absolutely. And he keeps kicking Shawn Michaels in the head as well. They do one where he kicks him in the head and Shawn, like, acts... Like Owen has shot him in the back of the head with a shotgun, like, like just collapses down. Um, there is a really sick, gross moment oh, Jesus. where Owen, and I swear to God, I'm not doing this on purpose, but Owen goes over to Shawn Michaels and he does the kind of the golfman's nose clean where he just fires that booger out like a rocket. Intentionally expelling those boogers. Spring loaded boogies. It's fucking disgusting. Absolutely gross. And I like in my notes because that's immediately followed up by Shawn Michaels did a sexy hair flip. <laughs> to get the kind of booger yeah. out of his face. Yin yang. <laughs> One man is sexy, the other man kicks him in the head and shoots a fucking snot at him. <laughs> Owen Hart ain't no dreamboat, folks. <laughs> really cool finish though this where like Sean goes for switching music super fast and Owen just gets out of the way super fast but then Sean just hits him straight away. It's like kind of like dodge, 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 miss the quick time event, Shawn Michaels wins. Um, a shorter match, one where Owen is maybe a little overshadowed but I think really important to see in terms of what Owen could do mm. and maybe often what Owen didn't get a chance to do yeah. because Owen never got a proper world title run. You know, that bit with Brass we talked about, that's really as close as he ever came. Mm. To being in that main event and he often was there to kind of put other guys over make other guys look good oh solid hand yada 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 just worth bearing in mind because there's a lot of matches that own does where he seems just to kind of i say he goes through the motions but he's not doing he's doing like a more mat based style and he can go real fast yeah just maybe his opponent has to be able to keep up with him and Shawn michaels could as well did you give this one a rating then yes i give it four out of five stars um bonus points given for Shawn michaels uh, sexy rhinestone cowboy entrance <laughs> that how to hbk episode is going to be something else. i'm so excited but yeah i did feel that owen was given less of a chance to show off in this match mm. compared to the first one i know that's maybe not fair to say because i know that was his his big big match but yeah it's just it is a, it's a shame that i'm already thinking this the second match yeah i, I I know now that kind of happens more and more. It's really funny because, I mean, there's a bit I remember reading to you. You probably don't didn't know who was Owen at the time because it was, you know, so long ago. But I'm reading to you from Mick Foley's book mm-hmm. and him talking about, like, Foley and Owen were in this, like, tag match and Austin was their partner. And they were, you know, sitting on the apron and watching Steve Austin was getting all the reactions for doing very basic moves. And they're kind of sitting and chat to each other kind of feeling. You ever kind of feel that he's the steak and we're like the potato? And I was like, you're a piece of parsley, Mick. That's all you are. <laughs> kind of like, just like that they knew that they were, you know, that they were probably not being used to their fullest potential at all yeah. times. But unlike a lot of guys, Owen never seemed particularly bitter about that fact. He really? was kind of, you know, well, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. The next one is a match which I've never seen before, and I was very, very excited to finally sink my teeth into it. It's often talked as being one of the really great kind of hidden gems from Monday Night Raw. This is from 1997, the 3rd of March, my birthday. Mm. Ah. Fun to think that I would have been nine when this came wow. on. We had Owen Hart versus the British Bulldog for the European Championship in an episode of Raw that emanated from Berlin, Germany. Fun fact. 
at the time, this is one of the lowest rated episodes of Raw ever. Whoa. This was one of many episodes of Raw which ratings was so low it actually made the network consider cancelling Raw at the time. Think about that. That's how fucking weird and unpredictable wrestling was in the late 90s. Jesus. That's a weird thought, isn't it? That is weird. Well, you think, oh, main event match on one of the worst rated Raws in history. This thing should be a fucking stinker because Owen Hart is taking on the British Bulldog and the two of them are tag champions together and they're both bad guys. This is a recipe for disaster. It's fucking amazing. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. Something you probably figured out about British Bulldog quite early on. Number one, he is British. Have you heard of the British Bulldog before? Only briefly in mention. He's one of those ones that kind of is mentioned quite a lot as, as being one of the all-time greats. Yeah. Like one of the legends. Bill is being Foley. from Manchester. Really? Bill is being, yeah. So. Um, I know Mick Foley mentions him a lot in his autobiography. Yeah, yeah. British Bulldog as well is the brother-in-law of Own Heart. Yes, that's so weird. Now, is that so weird to start to think now, like, kind of, this is where this extended wrestling family comes in. So, Own Heart is a brother-in-law to the British Bulldog because the British Bulldog married... One of Owen and Brett's sisters. Right. Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who was Brett's original tag team partner and Natalia's father, he married another one of the Hart's um, sisters. Wow. So, and that's weird because he's Neidhart. Yeah. Married a Hart. So, it's not like a double barrel name. He's not Jim Neid and his wife was Hart. He became Neid, Hart or... Night Dash Hart. It was just Night Hart. Night Hart, and he married. So you've got, and these wrestlers were all on the roster together at one point or another. That's so strange. They did form like a super group in '97, which was Bulldog, Own Hart, Bret Hart, Jim Night Hart, and a guy called Brian Pillman, who um, he was one of Steve Austin's tag team partners back in the day. He trained with them, and they became the Hart Foundation because Bret's like, you know, and I can't trust anyone. These guys are my family, like legitimate family, and they all traveled together. They all got on with each other. Owen and Bulldog were like the best of friends. Aww, like inseparable. Nice. They absolutely, they ribbed each other and pranked each other mercilessly. But they were very good friends. So Owen comes out with Slammy Winner on his tights. Very cool. Love it. Um, <laughs> I showed Joe the uh, the requisite video. you got to show everyone of Owen Hart, which is Owen winning in big inverted commas his second slammy award uh, around this time in 1997 and um, what did you think of own basically appropriating the best bow tie award that he was meant to present i love it so much <laughs> i yeah i love that side of owen hart which is kind of just a dick <laughs> <laughs> there's so few wrestlers so who are like willing just to be a complete dick yeah and it seems as well like he was a complete dick constantly like, throughout his whole career. Even, like, the early 90s, where it was kind of a little bit more comic book, yeah. all the way through to the late 90s, where people were starting... If you were a bad guy, you had to be a little bit cool. Like, mm. you know, that was the whole... You know, bad guy is cool leather jacket, is cool sunglasses. Owen always had that dickishness to yeah. him. Yeah. And it's interesting as well, because I know a few people mentioned on Twitter that Owen Hart is apparently... He was really, genuinely one of the nicest people ever to Absolutely. be wrestling. Absolutely. He's always was well known as being that. As being a guy who was in wrestling, not to become a big name, not to become the world champion, or to, you know, unlike his character, he wasn't there to outshadow... character. The reason Owen was there, and the reason he wrestled for WWF and wrestled as long as he did, was because he wanted to be able to retire early and spend time with his wife and kids. Because he... Made, he, he wanted to make as much money as he could because 
you know, everyone always says, oh, they love their family, man. Oh, I love my wife and kids. Owen was always like, that was right in the back of his head. Like, I'm doing this because I want to provide for my family. That was his kind of, his motivation. Very like McFoley in that way. The way McFoley talked about how he always wanted to earn money for his family. Yeah. The two of them were as thick as thieves because, you know, Foley would never spend a dime on the road and Owen was just as bad. Like, there's all these stories of the two of them, like, wrestlers, like, hey, man, can I buy you a drink? Like, no, but you could buy my dinner for me. <laughs> or you could pay for my hotel room, <laughs> you know? Let me crash at your house. Yeah, like, that's kind of that kind of hustler lifestyle, almost, to try and make as much money. When all the other guys were out partying and, you know, buying flash cars, Owen was never like that. Wow. And that's kind of, you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, that kind of aspect to him. That kind of aspect, I think, is quite modern as well, like... Obviously, that was such a huge part of, of being a wrestler back then. And again, now, that's that's less it's so. It's not a part of being about, a wrestler now. Is yeah, it, now? it is more like, like Kevin Owens, like spending time with your family and coming home as not often as you can. Not getting fucked up or anything like yeah. that. So yeah, Owen definitely like a real positive role model for aspiring wrestlers, I would say. you know, yeah. I mean, he, that's definitely, he had a positive impact on that sense in the wrestling industry, I would say. This match starts off European as fuck. There are so many European flips, like springboards. Owen just runs up onto the top rope and does a fucking backflip in like the first 10 seconds. Yeah. You know it's a good match when the first thing you do is pause it so you can emphatically take down notes <laughs> about why this is blowing. I always thought Own 97, slowing it down, couldn't do that stuff anymore. Of course he fucking could. He just probably wasn't doing it as much because he didn't need to. Yeah. But he started off with two heels in the crowd. But straight away they start to play off the fact that Bulldog, you know, he's English, European. So he, they build him as the good guy in the match. Owen starts being a bit of a dick. And that's how the crowd gets into it. They really start to really get into it. Owen left me speechless with some of the moves in this match. They were so fancy, just like... And Bulldog as well, doing flips just out of nowhere. You wouldn't, he's a big fucking guy. Huge guy. Holy like, shit. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> I've been watching Owen Hart matches for 20 years. And I just think it's testament to the man that during this match, and I'm meant to be giving you a sense of why Owen's awesome. Yeah. And 20 years after the fact, I'm going, what the hell did you do that? <laughs> that, not many wrestlers can do that can surprise you 20 years after the fact like I love as well he continued his uh, heelishness in this match he pretended to pull a muscle in his leg which again you never see wrestlers just be like oh I pulled a muscle it's always like ow you've kicked me and really injured me Yeah. but no he pretends to pull a muscle which I love and then when Bulldog kind of looks at him almost like oh crap he's, is he okay because he's my tag partner and my brother-in-law yeah. of course I'm going to check he's okay and then Owen turns around and just starts stamping on him with his like <laughs> not injured leg at all and I love as well uh, there's something kind of pure about like you know a lot of the crowds in America were kind of almost being desensitised to the antics of the wrestlers because they were touring so much and doing so many shows there's something so pure about this German crowd that as soon as Bulldog goes to check on Owen and Owen betrays him they fucking they nearly start a riot They're like excuse me have you no decency like, calling the security guard excuse me that wrestler just uh, he was very rude he was very rude and Owen as well of course doing the most minor of things which he believes necessitates him to throw his arms in the air in complete and utter victory. Every match, I love it. He does it several times. Just be like, yes! And it's yes. it's not so over the top that it's like... Annoying or anything. Because he just goes a little, yes, woo! Like a little... He's yes. really chuffed with himself. And he always yeah. looks fucking exhausted when he's doing like, yes! 
Um, this match really just showed to me how much more Own is capable of like controlling a crowd, much more than the last match probably yeah. showed. Yeah, which was more of the Shawn Michaels show. Yeah, but Own really just had the crowd in the palm of his hand in this one. Like, you know, knowing like when it was right time for him to to do something nasty or when it was the right time for him to get his comeuppance. Like he gets picked up by the bulldog and he goes to press slam and then he drops Owen on the ropes and Owen like you know gets hit on the crotch and he's like oh you know really like really great like kind of pageantry here in this, yeah. I guess and um, there's like a problem with this match I guess is the fact that they started off so hot yeah and then you kind of had an ad break in the middle and then it came back and the second half wasn't as fast. Didn't they have like two ad breaks in this match? Yeah, honey, have you ever watched Raw Live? <laughs> well, no. Two, <laughs> two ad breaks in the main event. You could be so lucky these days. In in America, right, what these people, these people, these, these, people. these American people, yeah. they watch the wrestling and it's got, and this is, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating at all. There's 86 million ad breaks. 86 million? And you're not exaggerating. Every minute. Every minute? Every minute. How do they even watch any wrestling? What actually happens is there's so many ads that the ads actually come out of your TV and then they go and they find any wrestling that you've got on DVD and then they overwrite it with ads. Jesus. That's how many ads there are. <laughs> so the fact that we had two ad breaks in this, I thought was we okay. But it did hurt the flow. It absolutely hurt the flow, yeah. Yeah. I did like the end of this, though, where there comes a big roll-up and Bulldog just manages to eke out a victory. And the two of them have a little handshake in the end. But Owen's got two slammies. So who's the real winner? <laughs> I like as well, because uh, Bulldog, he wins the European title. And so he's the European champion and the tag team champion. So that's why when Owen was nicking his slammy, he goes, you may have two titles, but you don't have two slammies. <laughs> and let me tell you something, Vader, you don't have two slammies. <laughs> so I, I would say I love this match. It was it was really, really great. Yeah. A, little, a little gem, you it know? Was, yeah, really fun to watch. I gave it four out of five stars. Mm, so maybe that little pacing kind of towards the end. Yeah, the outbreaks. Um, yeah, definitely. I guess that's what happens when you watch a Raw match. Now, something really kind of... I don't know if this was going to happen quite a bit in Haiti Wrestling where we kind of come full circle with something. Yeah. Remember way back in one of our early episodes we talked about Steve Austin and... I remember getting... Steve Austin. He's a wrestler, right? <laughs> he is. He's a bald wrestler um, with a goatee. I think he did the Broken Skull Challenge. He did, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, if you remember way back in our Steve Austin episode where Austin had a very serious neck injury, a wrestler gave him a pile driver and broke Austin's neck. Yeah, terrifying. That was Owen Hart. Seriously? Yep. Because we didn't watch that match for the episode. No, we watched the documentary where they talked about it and I didn't watch the match because I honestly, I find that match a bit morbid to watch. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we didn't. I don't, yeah. Because you do have like 30 seconds of Steve Austin with a broken neck (sighs) and Owen Hart kind of going, the fuck are we going to do here? Like, And it was really, really awkward. But I've always wondered and... He never. It was just before a time when there was Twitter and people being interviewed all the time. You, yeah. I always wonder, you know, more than we talked about D'Lo and Draws, the effect that a very serious injury like that. I was that, just thinking that, considering Own Hearts, like, was this really nice guy? Yeah, I'm surely it must have. I mean, because we watched um, the segment. I, I showed Joe, I showed Joe a few like Own Heart uh, promos and stuff, and Own coming out wearing the 316. Own three sixteen. Yeah. 
I just broke your neck t-shirt. Such a cool t-shirt. I've got that t-shirt. Yeah, you said that and I'm shocked. I've literally never seen it yeah. ever. You wear it ever. Which just shows you've got too many wrestling t-shirts. Too many. There's Honey, no such thing. Too many. Too, that's that's bad considering my new my new kind of plan, my new gimmick is Don't going to be dare. get as no. many bad wrestling t-shirts no, as possible. we haven't got room. If anyone wants to send me a core t-shirt. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to line up all your wrestling t-shirts and take a photo of them and see if anyone on Twitter or Facebook can beat the number of t-shirts you have because it's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure people will be able to. I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> Owen, when he was wearing that t-shirt and we, we saw the kind of the promo and you could tell that he was a little bit awkward. Yeah, not... it wasn't his normal heel. Considering it's such a heel thing to do. Yeah. He wasn't doing the whole <laughs> I don't think he was well up for bigging up the fact that he broke the man's neck. Now, there's lots of stories about this. Um, Austin did hold a grudge for lack really? of a better term because I think he felt that Owen didn't like um, like make amends appropriately or wow. whatever for lack of a better term Austin wasn't satisfied with however it went down and not to say that one person is right one person is wrong but there was a disagreement at the time and obviously Steve Austin being the number one guy in the company probably not a guy that you want to have no, things poorly of you and I do think it may have hurt Owen's upward trajectory in many ways. I'd be surprised if it didn't. If, yeah. if Steve Austin did hold a grudge like that, he did have a lot of say. Now, just to point out for us, I'm not saying this just by any means like, like oh, it's okay that Owen broke someone's neck. It was. I mean, it was, it was an accident. It was a terrible accident mm. and that that's all it was. But like Austin, using pretty much a similar manoeuvre, broke a guy's neck in Japan way back really? in the early 90s. So I always kind of thought there is maybe more to this story well, I thought it is kind of an important moment in Owen's career. It's not a nice moment, mm-hmm. but it did kind of come out maybe in not such a great time because what you had around this time as well is uh, Bret Hart leaving the company under bad terms and Bret left and also along with him went the British Bulldog. Is this period where Bret left, is that anything to do with this... Um, oh God, what do you all call it? The the Not the sharpshooter, that's the name of the the swerve move the, the screw job the screw job the Montreal screw job it is it? yes to do that okay. all in due time the mystery the mystery <laughs> but you did have Brett leave and at the same time as Brett leaving um, because of how it was a fucking awful situation Brett left British Bulldog left as and, a result of this thing yes of this screw job and Jim the Anvil Neidhart left as well so you had Christ. basically like for own, he goes there from being on the road having his brother and his Two brothers-in-law, best friends, and now he's all of his own son. But he didn't leave. But he the others who did, and it's because of this thing that happened, which I have no idea what it is. Yeah, I mean... But it can't have been... Own was tied up in a contract. Oh, okay. People thought that, oh, they were doing it to spite Own. The reality is, I think that Own was probably sure that he was going to get more money from the WWF that way. And yeah. that was what he was most concerned with. Well, would he have been as big a name as the other three? And obviously not Brett and the Bulldog, but... Uh, I'd say... You know, I'd say he's probably on equal footing with the Bulldog, maybe a bit more. Definitely right. a bigger star than Jim Neidhart, not as big a star as his brother Brett. Yeah. But he's definitely someone who could have went to another company and got a big payday from it. But hmm. for whatever reason, legal contract, spite otherwise, he stayed. Which then led Owen having his uh, new gimmick, which was he was the sole survivor. And then there was Owen instead of and then there was one. He was the last heart beating that was still left in the company after the, the purge. The last heart beating. Yeah. That's great. And that's why you know, I showed you that promo of him like grabbing Vince by the scruff of the neck. And he's like, I'm tired of all this bullshit. You're not going to... That was 
them playing off the real life tensions of Owen being left on his own in the company. Right. Okay. So he did have kind of an interesting kind of career trajectory there. Um, and when we next watched Owen wrestle, we were watching him wrestling Edge at Breakdown 1998, and Owen kind of pivoted towards a. Uh, more of a character who's there to kind of maybe put some of the younger guys over. So he wasn't ever going to get like this big main event run anymore, mm-hmm. which was a shame. Even though Vince Russo, the writer at the time, loved Owen, thought he was amazing. Really? Yeah, big, big fan of Owen. So we watched Owen Hart and Edge, or Aids, as I'm taking to calling him. Stop that. Truth time. Me and Joe watched all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was like our first big trash show we watched as a couple. Aw, that's not fair. Buffy's not trash. It's good trash. I'm it's saying that. It's trash. Why is it not? Nah, Buffy's genuinely good. It does have its moments, though. Of course. Rubber monsters and Like whatnot. any 90s show. But it was a show where anytime they said the word eggs, they said eggs. And they also did it on Total Divas. Yes, Nikki Bella says, hey, I'm going to go... F- I think she was going to freeze her eggs. Well, there was an episode, it was really clever. I don't know if you can quite comprehend the cleverness of this, but there was like a dual storyline in Total Bellas where they went to a, a farm, mm-hmm. free-range farm where they looked at the eggs, <laughs> and Nikki Bella also wanted to freeze her eggs because John Cena doesn't want to have kids just yet. And the episode was called Egg Madness. <laughs> I, th- I think, I'll just say, America, I love you. Your candy is great. Check out our review of candy on Patreon if you're interested to know deeper thoughts on that. But you have ruined the word eggs for me. Eggs. And as an extension, the song Eggs and Sausage and a Side of Toast by Tom Waits. So you've really done a fell swoop there on me. Uh, and now Edge is a victim of this as well. Eggs. On my WrestleMania 27 notes for Astro Podcast, I wrote down eggs. I didn't write down Edge. <laughs> and that's an important match. And he's going to be called Eggs. It's your fault! I'm going to go on your phone and any instance where you have to write the word eggs, I'm going to replace it to the spelling of eggs. (laughs) So getting back to Owen taking on eggs here. Um, His reputation as a family man, an all-round kind of good provider for his family and kind of a guy who was not a party type, it really did kind of mean that he was starting to be kind of like a, a good... I don't say a good egg, <laughs> but like a, some, some, some for the younger wrestlers to aspire to. Right. And I think what's really important here is that if you look at the likes of Owen Hart and he was kind of helping out people like Edge, Christian, some of the younger guys, the Hardy boys maybe were coming up as well. And they were kind of maybe sitting under that learning tree. It meant when those guys were the top guys in a few years time, they were able to kind of spread that good word down to the town beneath them. And I do think a lot of the reason why, as you mentioned, that you've got like Guys don't go get fucked up now. They go and they kind of hang out. They have nice times. They play Lego. Play Lego and video games. I'm not saying it's because of Owen Hart, but he definitely was one of the first wrestlers. Him and Foley. Yeah. Really, who was kind of like, yeah, there's any stories about Owen Hart getting fucked up and, you know, pulling out his dick and trying to piss on someone on a plane. Yeah. And that's because he was focused on using his status as a celebrity or as a star not to get fucked up and show off about it, but to provide for his family. And I think that's... It's a really, really... It's a it's a good mentality. And I think that mentality is so important in wrestling because you see so many of the guys who, you know, get burnt out and they fucking are bitter and they get fucked up. And a lot of it is to do with them kind of not knowing how to deal with that fame and not yeah. being focused on, on a kind of a goal or whatever. And I was really nice to see that Owen was kind of nurturing some of this younger talent here. So this match was taking place 
In the midst of the Attitude Era, in the midst of Austin and McMahon, a very different company to the one that would have a sexy Shawn Michaels dancing on top of a little house. No, this was a much different place indeed. We are in Canada, and Owen gets a big hero's welcome when he comes out. And also, a big nugget chant. Yes. I still don't know what this nugget thing is. You need to know selling this. All right. How many times did you get tweeted about nuggets? Because I mean, it's, like I know it's been a while. A thousand times. A thousand times. <laughs> 87 million times a minute. God, almost as many as the ads that the American people I'd tend to I'd say it was have. exactly the same number. If you were to guess why Owen Hart is called a nugget. Well, I know... Okay, so the bits that people have tweeted at me are admittedly, I think, were deliberately out of context. So I, I was tweeted things like, a winner's a nugget, probably about a couple of hundred times. And then there was, Owen's called a nugget because he's a piece of shit. So I know it's something to do with a piece of shit. Okay. I, 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 I'm assuming. So basically when we first did you know, an Ashtiara podcast episode where the fans chanted nugget at Owen, and admittedly, I didn't know why they chanted it because I started watching wrestling after the formation of that promo about Owen Harping called a nugget. I just flippantly went to Billy and had him, ah, just call him that cuz. It's a silly name, and he doesn't like me called it, and he'd be all, I am not a nugget! Because, like, it could imply that he's small and unimportant. Well, that's like kind nuggets. of, yeah, a, a vague, I was like, I'm not a nugget! And I just thought it was very, I was more fixated on the fact that it was very funny that Owen, who always took himself seriously, got so upset that the fans would call him a nugget! Maybe and he's not, he's a winner and a black heart! Is it insulting because it's comparing him to mechanically separated chicken nuggets? Oh, honey, you're making me hungry now, come on! <laughs> the reason he's called a nugget... Is because he's a piece of shit. Three months. <laughs> Reasley's called enough. I've got enough of this fucking shit from those people who tweet me, and now you're getting the same, and you're gonna turn it around on me. I just don't know what nuggets have to do with shit. What's the correlation there? So, Own Heart was the last heart that was left, as we said. And uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, who claimed kind of they were the reason why all the hearts had left. Uh, Triple H said in a promo, ah, you're like a little nugget of shit that when you flush the toilet gets left behind. You know, the way there's a little nugget of shit that's... No. Well, sometimes if you what do... What is going on with Triple H's diet? It's mechanically separated poop is what he's got. He's got a little nugget that's left behind. So he was implying that the heart dynasty was a big shit, which they flushed down the toilet, but Owen was a little nugget of shit that oh, was left behind. horrible. And by me, flippantly kind of going, eh, this come for whatever... I li- it's one of the reasons we figured out that the Attitude Podcast had an audience in the worst way <laughs> is why I woke up every morning for like two years with 80 million people saying hey by the way owns a piece of shit now I don't want <laughs> and now it's extended into my personal life you, my fucking my fucking girlfriend my fucking daughter my fucking family you fucking do this to me you know I swear to god like I can't stand no more but yes for the record internet own heart is a piece of shit in the words of Heel Triple H in 1997. Surely there's a nicer way to inform you that that's what that means. 140 like, characters. I mean, you got to say shit. means piece of shit comes from Triple H's promo. Not Owen is a piece of shit. <laughs> Out of context, that just sounds like the wrestling community really fucking hates <laughs> Owen. <laughs> It's funny getting these tweets of like nugget shit lol. Well, like, <laughs> it's like you've gone like, in a great length about how much you love Owen Hart and all of your fans hate you and they're mm. like, no, your favourite's a piece of shit. Well, it's going to take a lot more than that to make me stop podcasting. <laughs> I'm the sole survivor. God damn it, I'm a winner. 
so I use the rage of own to get me through these these kind of dark moments. So the fans do chant nugget. And just so you know, in case you ever listen to another podcast that I do and I say it wrong, this is the real story, okay? So this is the canon now. I know what nugget means. I will never have to tweet about it ever again. Hey, everyone always tweet Kevin. In fact, do it on his birthday and Christmas and any public holidays. Just tweet him saying, Owen is a piece of shit. I think Kevin's a little bit too happy today. Yeah, like. bring him down a level. Yeah, bring... Oh, no, more importantly, bring own heart down a few levels. Yeah. You know what? You should just reply any time Kevin tweets ever. Just respond by saying... Oh, and is a piece Why don't you just take shit. take pictures of shits that you've you've unsuccessfully flushed? And tag them, Owen Hart. And me. And Kevin. Yeah. yeah. So we can I can look at that. So he can look at it and know what Owen Hart is. Hey, maybe I'll get sick. Huh? How about that? Maybe I'll actually get physically maybe sick. Throw up onto <laughs> the pictures that you've printed out of these shits. And maybe I'll do a little cry as well. We'll get all the fluids. All the fluids. <laughs> so that's why the fans chanted uh, Nugget at Own. Um, right. I also like that Own was wearing his danger gear. I very much like his... Uh, Love his danger he's got, gear. He's got the, the, the caution. I always make my wrestling characters on video games. I always kind of go for that Own Heart singlet look. It did seem, though, he was wearing that singlet. Like, I feel he should come out to Cesaro's entrance music. Well, at the start of his thing, he does have a... Did he? He does, yes. Well, he's got a lot going on, I think, because he's got a, well, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. There's there's a lot of bits in there. But yes, he did have a siren in that song. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention the signs in the audience, because I know we're peak attitude era. Did you know, was it it noticeable that it was a different time? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's really, it's obvious from, like, the camera as well, like, the tone of, like, the colours. Much darker, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's darker. The fans in the audience, you can tell they're suddenly much younger. Because a lot of the early matches we were watching, it was older people again. I've mentioned yeah. this in Mister Perfect and the Hulk Hogan episodes. It's kind of more um, families, I think, middle aged and upwards yeah. who are in these very pale colours, like stripes as well for some reason. Always stripes, but yeah, in this everyone's in black t-shirts. Austin three sixteen, like university them. student kind of was where they were kind of pitching that kind of yeah, age group. Younger, there's a lot of kids. Un- there as unfortunately, well. a lot of younglings a lot of as angry well. Angry children. Yeah, there was a, a number of interesting signs, uh, including Jerry Lawler being on commentary with a giant call police sign behind <laughs> him, and a sign as well near Jim Ross that said, Undertaker is not a homosexual. Isn't he? I, apparently not. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the information, signs. Well, you know. So, we get, at the start of this match, real great offense between Owen and Edge. I would almost liken it to being quite like Daniel Bryan, like, you know, that kind of chain wrestling, you know, yeah. they're kind of holding on. The kind of, the, the dexterity, I think, is the right word to describe. The fact that Owen, even at this older age, I mean, this is, you know, Owen, you know, could few years after when we saw him at the start, being able to kind of go all the way back on his heels, arch his back and his, keep his balance with his neck. It's amazing. I don't know if this is very unfair of me, but to me, it seemed like Edge was holding him back a bit. Really? Yeah. How so? It just seemed like Owen was able to do moves a lot quicker than him. Mm. He was he seemed more flexible as well. Well, Edge is slightly slower. He's only the Padawan here, I guess, as opposed to Owen, who is very much the the, the master yeah. at this point. And I mean, in 1998, I couldn't think of any like very few people would be able to put on a match like you know Owen could with yeah. anyone. You know, Kurt Angle was would not have been really there, wouldn't he? No, time? Kurt Angle didn't debut at the company until a year after this, actually. Ah, that's so yeah, horrid. two people whose paths never crossed. Jeez. Yeah, in 1998, all the Krangles were doing was, was those training. matches would have been like? I know. Unbelievable. Also, I want to mention, Owen Hart comes out in a local football jersey or something. Yep. Some sports team. 
and he takes it off and that's the Hansy moment. I just thought... You see the hair kind of billows out, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, kind of, he looks really fierce and I just feel like our listeners will want to know exactly when that moment is so that they can... He know. almost had anime I think someone should put anime Sparkly eyes. Sparkly anime yeah, eyes, yeah, over, yeah. over that. He's very, very handsome there yeah, as well. Yeah, 10 out of 10. This is great because, I mean, you know, as hard as it is to find out about Owen being a piece of shit all over again, yeah. there's nothing quite like the feeling. I'll tell you this, if you're at home debating whether or not to introduce your partner to wrestling... Introducing your partner to wrestling and then them confirming your suspicions that one of your favorite wrestlers is a stone cold hunk. Mm. That's a great feeling. Yeah. And you don't get that with, you know, the, the general rabble you watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Owen avoids Edge's dive to the outside at one moment. And I was very happy with this because it was another instance of Owen kind of very beleaguerly going, woo! Pointing his <laughs> and, head. And he also pointed his head yeah. to indicate intelligence. And if a wrestler, I mean, anyone who's smart, you know, you know, I'm smart, you're smart. How do we show that? Well, we point our heads and we do smart stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm in the kitchen and I mightn't have enough garlic, but then I start pointing at my head and realize I've got garlic paste. I'm smart. Ah, ah you see? So, um, own pointing at his head, I like that a lot because yeah. wrestlers need to show that they're smart. You were confused by the, 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 the dive attempt by Edge, though. Yeah, it was really weird. Okay, so Owen sort of gets out of the ring, like yeah. squirms out and then points his head. Slithers <laughs> away. Yeah. And meanwhile, so Owen's facing away from the ring and Edge is about to run at the ring ropes, it looks like, or, or dive out of the ring towards Owen. And then instead of diving out, he just like hits against the ropes. Yeah. And then just falls on his back. Like some chump. <laughs> he looks stupid doing it. I think what happened was, was that... The reason Edge did that was because he knew he had he couldn't do his dive, but he had the momentum, so he put up his fists like that so he would bounce against the ropes and do a controlled roll backwards. Why didn't he dive? Why couldn't he dive? Because Owen had already moved out of the way, I guess. But he was still pretty close. Am I spoiled by Sami Zayn doing these suicide jumps out of the ring and he yeah, basically go 20 feet? He jumps out of the ring and he goes over the Titan Tron. Just flies. Lands in the next town the for the yeah. Smackdown tape and like, you know, <laughs> looking around. Hey, let's go. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. It could be. I know that wrestlers do the kind of, the, the fake out dive, you know, sometimes when they're running the ropes, they think, oh, I'm not going to do it. You know, Sammy does his little flip through, his little dance yeah, and cool. thing. Because it just seemed the timing of it made it look like Edge was about to dive out of the ring then onto Owen. Lost his but then confidence. Owen pointed at his head. <laughs> and then Edge was like, shit. And then like was like <laughs> repelled and fell back. Edge just grabs every You didn't tell me I was wrestling no brain box. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Not to dwell on the Cruiserweight Classic too much, but it's been a big part of our lives recently and it ended very recently. Mm-hmm. We're recording, you know, just um, end of September 2016 here. But one of the things which they said a lot of times in the Cruiserweight Classic, and I think Owen as he kind of really signifies this a lot, which is, yes, they do dives, or yes, they do flips or aerial moves, but it's always for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's no gratuitousness to, like, any flashy offense He's doing it for a reason. And yeah. I do like that when Owen does go off the top rope. I mean, Owen, you can watch some of his matches from the 80s in Japan and he's perfectly capable of doing his springboards, moonsaults, all that. But he'll only do one or two in a match. Yeah. Not gratuitously. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, it probably fits the style and the psychology of WWF a bit more. And number two, probably added a few years onto his career in the same same token as well. The fact yeah. that he was able to keep wrestling all through the 80s. Never got like you know serious injuries, him or Brad. And you kind of tended to avoid a lot of injuries 
throughout most of their career because their style was quite safe. Yeah. So it's an important thing, I think, for, for younger wrestlers it's to wise. learn. Absolutely. Very, very swift offense by own. He counters Edge's counters who counters his counters. Now there's a tongue twister. Seriously. And uh, at one point, Owen goes for his top rope victory roll. He's on Edge's shoulders and... Uh, Jim Ross is very quick to point out that it was the very move he used to beat his brother Brett at WrestleMania 10. Ooh. I feel I have to mention at this point, the announcing on this, and I realise it's peak Attitude Era announcers because Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, the announcing was fucking awful. How so? They kept talking about things that were just not to do with the match. Because people would often, if you asked any Joe yeah, Schmo yeah, off the they street. They would say those are the two. Jerry and JR. Yeah. During the Attitude Era. Yeah. So what was it that they were like? Okay, so first of all, they kept going on about Steve Austin, which was weird. But peak annoying talking about Steve Austin was when one of them said, I'll tell you what's going through the mind of Steve Austin right now. I just do not care. I don't <laughs> care what's going through the mind of Steve Austin right now in a match between Owen Hart and Edge. <laughs> Why would I be thinking about that? And then... Once they finish talking about Steve Austin, you'd think they'd go back to the match, but no. No, they have to talk about Jim Carrey. So why the fuck <laughs> were they talking about Jim Carrey all of a sudden? They're like, oh, will he be here later on? Or maybe I'll see him later. Or we'll catch up with Jim... Why? All the more reason probably that stings as well is because it's not as if there wasn't an awesome match going on. Because there was. Yeah. like There was a fast-paced match. And I think like Owen got an electric chair drop from Edge where he gets thrown off his shoulders face first. It was a really sick move. Mm. And yeah, they're talking about other things, other people. That was the thing at the time. Most people who were buying pay-per-views were doing it not to see Own Heart or Edge. They were there because of Steve Austin. There was a big surge in fans during the Edge era because Steve Austin was this guy you had to see. And if it's a three-hour pay-per-view and you just put down $40 for whatever and you tune in, their logic, WWF's, um, is, well, they need to know about Steve Austin. They need to know that this show is centered around Steve Austin What's Austin up to? What would he think about this? What's going on? That match in the ring, that's there for us to watch. So would they do this for the entire show? Just every match, like, oh, it's Steve Austin. Oh, he's, he's on the toilet now. Oh, Steve Austin. Oh, what's he doing? Oh, he's having a cup of coffee. And when Steve Austin isn't on screen, the other characters should ask, where's Steve Austin? They should get, like, you know Big Brother? They used to have these, like, 24-hour cameras on, like, the contestants. They should have one for Steve Austin. <laughs> I think... So we can always think about Steve Austin. I think Stone Cold should be louder funnier and kick more ass <laughs> I think we should talk about Steve especially during any matches where Steve is not in the match I think it's always more noticeable during the opening contests because I was wondering if it was maybe going to be tied into the fact that Owen broke his neck nope. no mention of it and I guess that's something which we've never really talked about in the Adshare podcast but I guess because when we watch those shows it's in the big context and yeah you watch the, the big ball. context yeah. is like what's happening with Steve Austin because he's the star and I guess the, again back to the parsley and baked potatoes I guess that's Owen and you know being not the featured player and if you're gonna if, if wrestling was a contest of who is the best at putting on this performance? Owen probably would have been like the top guy and he would have been the champion and all that. But unfortunately, it's not. And he was put to one side, I guess, in many ways as a result. You know, it's amazing that he didn't get bitter about that. Because like, I consider myself a good and decent person. And if I were in his shoes, I would be fucking furious. Mm -hmm. that, like, 
you know, Steve Austin's great and all, but come on. I guess if you're at a point in his career where he was, where he was feeling like he was secure in his position and the money that he was making, it was a case of don't make waves. I guess you so. know? Um, it's really, really sad. I mean, and this match is awesome, as we say, like really great. So many near falls towards the end. There's a really brilliant bit where like Edge goes to jump off the top rope and he can clearly see Owen rolling away and Edge just kind of lands on his feet, but Owen continues to roll away and get up and go, woo! <laughs> <laughs> There's a really weird end to this match. Oh yeah, I love the ending of this match because uh, a blonde person showed up. Who I immediately knew was Christian. <laughs> you went, you went. Hey, it's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other one? The Not Edge. The Not Edge. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, this was Christian's debut. Yeah, which was really weird because like he appeared out of nowhere. I was like, oh, there he is, Christian. Because I know that they're established tag teams. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else was like, who is this guy? I was like. Time traveling joke. I know who he is. You stupid idiots! Is of course it's Christian. I'm the one who doesn't know, not you. Are you like the kind of person who watches like Better Call Saul with someone who's not watched Breaking Bad and be like, how do you not know who that character is? (laughs) He's so important in season three. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, uh, Christian was unidentified at this time, I guess. Right. And your your explanation for how Owen won this match was brilliant to me. Yeah, Edge got like distracted by Christian's beauty and then Owen pinned him. <laughs> he wanted Senpai he to notice him. him like. Yeah, he followed him through the crowd. What other explanation is there? It can only be, I know that they're established tag team partners, so they must be soulmates. So he must have seen this long blonde haired gentleman who looks a bit like him and been like, wow, that's the one. So I'm, Edge... I'm going to spend the rest of my wrestling life with him Edge just looks at him and is like hey and Christian's like hey mm. and he loses the match I've got to go get him like yeah. I don't care that I lost I've just got to go find that hunk we were towards the end of this match and you went I've got a really bad feeling Owen's going to lose this mm. why did you think that? I think it's partly because like, I'm aware of the fact that he's always kind of almost made to be second fiddle to a lot of more established wrestlers and I knew this was young Edge Mm. and obviously if they don't know who Christian is I I knew that his career trajectory was about to really take off so I kind of figured figured this was like a build up for him Mm, interesting yeah because I don't want you to walk away from these matches we watched thinking that Owen Hart was like a jobber like he was always losing people or by any token that he was like D'Lo where it was like you know, they tried, they gave a bit of a push and they lost their faith and then they just gave up on them. I'll be honest, that was more kind of what I was expecting. Mm, interesting. So that's kind of the, the four matches we watched with Owen and something that we need to talk about with Owen, I mean, because we mentioned him being, you know, someone who's not got a reputation of being a bad person or being a dickhead or anything like that. You yeah. know, not someone who's getting fucked up or anything. The stories though about Owen, which people tend to regale a lot with often with, with great fondness, our Owen's uh, rib stories. Now, this isn't about like Owen getting everyone around and having delicious succulent ribs. Uh, rib in wrestling language, do you remember what that means? Well, I know ribs in general. It's not just wrestling. Is it not? No, I've heard of... Is that like a Protestant word then, is it? Or... We never... <laughs> you lean forward really aggressively then, like uh, talking to your is there, children. Is like... there Tiffin in this house and you're not telling me? <laughs> no, no, I'm really me. serious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I've heard the term rib before, but yeah, okay. no, it means pranks. Or japes. 
Japes. And Japes. Japes is a, gra- it's a great word, yeah. <laughs> I'll nick that one. So is he like kind of the George Clooney of the wrestling world? Well, is George Clooney a prankster? Yes! Oh my god! George Clooney is an infamous prankster. Because there, there are mean-spirited pranks Yeah, that's the kind of pranks George Clooney does. Okay. Because, I mean, I don't know if you mentioned before in wrestling, I know Mr. Perfect, for instance, was someone who was maybe known as a ribber, but a lot of those 80s wrestling ribs are a little bit mean, as in like, you know, hey, let's take your bag and throw it in the river, kind of, you know. That's not a full Fun prank. No, that's bullying. I've got some of like own pranks which were which were tweeted in, and some ones from memory, which I'll maybe tell you about. Some ones you might want to hear. Um, a really good one <laughs> with some of those is um, there was an occasion once where they were bringing in like um, farm animals because they were doing a hog pen match, right. and the animals were being brought to the arena. Kind of go right. Where is it? We need to bring them. And no one would always just insert himself into these situations and as a pure confidence man and get the result he wanted to. And he was able to <laughs> convince the animal handlers to show him, this is where you need to bring the, the animals. And he brought them to Vince's office. <laughs> so when Vince arrived for the pay-per-view, there was like farm animals, like barn animals in his office. It was fucking ridiculous. That's amazing. So did he get punished for that? No, because it was always like Owen being like kind of a good-natured kind of... Now, do you think he got away with that maybe more than the other wrestlers might because of his established heritage? I think so. I mean, like... I know that British Bulldog, when he, he used to ride with Owen on the road, and he would get pranked constantly, but he would always have like literally tears streaming down his face the whole time because Owen would just always get to him in this really like prankish kind of way. Uh, a great one I like as well was uh, Jim Ross, who at the time was in charge of talent relations. So if you're fired or whatever, he's the guy who kind of tells you. And he was handing out a lot of suspensions and firings for people who were doing drugs and all that. <laughs> And Owen knew that JR was under a lot of stress at this moment in time. And what Owen decided to do as a little bit of a funny joke was when Jim Ross was walking in the hallway, it was to get a donut and loads of powdered sugar and rub it all over his face and then walk over to Jim Ross, like, knock into him, like, hey, man. <laughs> Pretend he was... He was, uh... Yeah, he was doing that. There's also the great story as well. And uh, I think if this happened to anyone other than Michael Cole, people would think that it's foul play. Right. But uh, Michael Cole, on his very first night, was on had to do an interview live, you know, on pay-per-view. Big show. Young Michael Cole in his tuxedo. And who was he unfortunate enough to be interviewing but uh, Owen Hart and Davy Boy, the British Bulldog. And Owen, right before the camera went live on pay-per-view, decided to open up a two-liter bottle of Diet Cola and pour it slowly down the back of Michael Cole's jacket. So Michael Cole was essentially stunned there, frozen with fear, and all of a sudden, he poured it all down his back, and then they went, and we're live! And Michael Cole's like, hi everyone, welcome to wrestling, I'm Michael Cole! Now that is quite mean. Aww. No, he's mean, right? He's real mean. There was a guy called Gangrel. And Gangrel lost his watch once, okay? He thought he lost his watch, but Owen actually had taken his watch and hidden it on him. But to sell... This is what Owen was really known for, just the commitment to the bits. To sell this, Owen stayed with Gangrel literally for hours. Hours after the show ended in the arena, searching everywhere. Where could it be? I don't know, man. Where is it? Let's check the bags. Let's check security. Arenas are big. And then he finally revealed to him hours after the fact that, yeah, he actually had his watch. You see, now that, I, I feel that can't be too mean because he, I think, because you can't be angry at someone who spent the last, you know, four hours helping you find something and to reveal that they had it all along. That's true. That is a lot of, like... There's love in that prank. There is. It's like, come on. I want to spend time with you, Gangrel. Yeah. <laughs> I want to find a watch with you. I want to help <laughs> you find your watch that I hid. 
Um, in the matches as well, Owen would oftentimes, particularly house show matches when it wasn't on TV, Owen would do ridiculous shit. Like, you know, he wrestled Edge, we talked about um, there. He was wrestling Edge on the house shows, the non-televised shows. There was one match where he did, and like, you know, sometimes wrestlers will pull out like a foreign object, like brass knuckles or something stiff for his hand. Yeah. And he pulled out a thing, and Edge didn't know what it was. He was just like, oh, I don't know. And uh, Edge sold it like he'd be punched with like a really serious foreign object. And then Owen turned to the crowd and the referee revealed what he actually had as Edge was on the ground selling like he'd been killed. It was a tissue that he did his hands. <laughs> so uh, Edge was made to look like a bit of a fool. The all-time greatest Owen Hart in-ring prank story, though, has to be when him and Mick Foley, who was wrestling as Dude Love at the time, found out that Dave Meltzer was in the audience for right, their show. Okay. And most wrestlers who were kind of reading Meltzer's stuff at the time, getting reviewed. This is before the Joe Graham star rating, so this is what people used to take as serious in wrestling. Yeah. Was this guy called Meltzer had a star rating system. Yeah, did he though? <laughs> did he rate how handsome the wrestlers were though? Mm. He didn't. So they decided they were going to put on purposely the worst match possible. Wow. Also, they, Steve Austin was at ringside. They wanted to make him laugh as well, no matter what. So they did things in this match, like it was meant to be a hardcore brawl, and they had like the individual lids of fountain sodas, you know, the little plastic cup things, and he'd like hit him with it, and he'd be like, ah, like a chair shot. And then the most dreaded weapon of all, which was a big bag of popcorn. <laughs> hit him with a big bag of popcorn, no, falls into the ground. And as Owen was selling, he did uh, popcorn angels in it, like as wow. he was selling for it. So um, the, the thing he used to do a lot is also like ringing people up and pretending to be someone else mm. and tricking them. He was a big prank caller. But the number one time he did that was uh, his dad. And Stu Hart is a very serious individual. Like, really, really serious. Right. Comes from that world of shooters, you know, proper submission wrestling. And Stu Hart was visiting because WrestleMania was in town and his sons were wrestling on it. And Owen rang up and pretended to be, like, a guy who used to design belts for, for wrestling companies back in the day. And Stu starts getting really, really agitated. Brett was the one who told the story in his book. And on the other end of the phone, Owen Hart is pretending to be this guy who Stu knew from years and years ago, claiming that Stu never had the balls to challenge him to a fight. And you've got like 60-something-year-old Stu Hart screaming on the phone going, you always wanted to try me, didn't you? But you never had the courage to try me. You want to try me? Let's go on, let's try me. You've got this 60-something-year-old man ready to fight someone. It was his son, Owen. Wow. On the on the phone, pretending to uh, yeah. There was one time as well where he uh, <laughs> where he uh, enlisted the police to uh, to try and uh, arrest someone he was traveling with on the road. Like got him pulled over, pulled out of the car, and Vince McMahon saw them as well at the same time. Oh my god! <laughs> so I don't know. Some of you, his pranks is evil, but seeing as we're coming from a world in wrestling where people have had, you know done some very nasty things, it's not quite as cruel as the. Um putting all the crumbled cookies into no. DDP's bed. No, that, that is the worst. the worst. So he did all these things. He didn't put fucking cookies in anyone's bed. It's not sick. I guess we're into the point now where, I mean, you know that Owen died. Yeah. Do you know under which circumstances he died? Sad ones. Everyone always talks about how sad it is that he died. I mean, I, I imagine it would be sad regardless because he must have died quite young. Because, I mean, I know I've, I've always felt really bad about the Mr. Perfect episode where I was like, and then he, <laughs> you then he no died. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not trying to do that. I mean, you obviously knew that, that Owen passed. Yeah. Owen died in, like, a really, really tragic, 
probably the most tragic, unfortunate, like mishap, things gone wrong in wrestling ever. You remember we talked about the Blue Blazer character that Owen, yeah. that Owen did? He did that in the 80s. Well, towards the start of 1989, Owen started doing the Blue Blazer character again. Oh, wow. Although this time it was done as kind of like a mock-up of like old kind of wrestling good guy characters. Like he would cut promos saying, I'm the Blue Blazer and I always drink my milk. Woo! <laughs> but here's the thing, he would, he would insist he wasn't the Blue Blazer. So okay. the, the Blue Blazer would never be seen at the same place at the same time as Owen Hart. Oh, but he was still doing the Owen Hart thing at yes. the same time. So he's oh, pretending wow. that he was two people. Even though on a number of occasions, Owen Hart was unmasked as the Blue Blazer. And he was like, oh no! But then the next week he's like, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> My favourite one was when there was a guy called Curtis Hughes. who was a black gentleman who came out in the Blue Blazer gear. And Owen's like, who's that Blue Blazer guy? There he is over there! I told you, there he is! <laughs> So Owen was, was doing this character again. Yeah. A lot of the reason for it was that Vince Russo thought that Owen had a lot of comedy kind of chops. Yeah, clearly. And thought this was a fun thing to do. And part of the Blue Blazer gimmick was that he was this stupid, you know, superhero wannabe and he was, you know, a klutz. And there was the idea for Owen to make these entrances as the Blue Blazer. And he did it once or twice, successfully, where he would come down on one of those kind of zip cords... You know, like come down from a height or whatever yeah. and kind of come in. The idea was was that he would zip all the way down to the ring and then literally with a foot foot to go, he would fall and splat on his face. Like, kind of like oh, what a silly, you know, muck-up thing for him to do. <laughs> Sting in WCW was doing a very similar thing at the time. He would come down like a zip line, like straight to the ring. He was like, whoa, he came from the sky. That's but amazing. Sting wouldn't then fall over. No, Sting wouldn't be all cool and stuff as he slowly took off yeah. all the, the rigging. At a pay-per-view called Over the Edge in 1999... Owen was scheduled to win the Intercontinental Championship from the Godfather in a match. And the match never happened because when Owen was meant to make his entrance as the Blue Blazer, there was a problem with the uh, rigging for the zipline that he came down on. I'm getting all choked up just talking about this now. This is really fucking horrible. I'll never get used to this. But um, Owen's uh, failsafe on it, which was meant to release so he could do the quick fall, went too early and he fell. 25, 30 feet uh, into the ring and he he landed chest first in the turnbuckle. Oh, so the live crowd saw that it was never shown on TV because it was a pay-per-view so it was on a delay. So what he had was the Blue Blazer promo airing and then all of a sudden you cut back to silence in the arena and then onto Jim Ross who's literally looked like he's just, you know, what he's seen, what he's seen. And he has to explain to the audience that, you know, own heart has fell. And we don't know what's happening. And they went on with the show. They went on with the pay-per-view. And like an hour or so later, Owen was pronounced as dead um, at the hospital. Because uh, he had such serious injuries. And they finished off the show. And I didn't know about this until the next day, actually. Because I didn't watch the pay-per-view that night. Because it was a school night. And I couldn't stay up. And I watched the next night. I was like, hey, it's time for Monday Night Raw. It was on a Friday or whatever Raw would be. And I tuned in. And straight away, I see the graphic in loving memory of Owen Hart. Oh, God. And then I had two hours of, like, all my favourite wrestlers breaking character in tears, talking about how Owen Hart was this amazing guy, best friend, such a lovely guy, family man, and he's been taken before his time. And I remember as a kid thinking that this is, this is a story, surely it can't be real. I remember feeling so weird because Owen was always a heel when I had watched... And there were all these people talking about how amazing Owen was. And they had some matches and all the crowd were chanting for Owen and holding up signs saying Owen Hart will live forever. And wrestlers dedicating their matches to him. And 
I was absolutely one of the most horrible situations ever. A lot of blame was went around as a result. Some people blame the writers. How dare you write own heart to have a gimmick where he has to do something so well, high that's risk? That's not fair. There's also people who think that, I mean, the main issue was the fact that he was given the incorrect harness. He wasn't give, given the proper harness, um, that, that the harness malfunctioned because it had this quick release thing. It wasn't fit for purpose, basically. It wasn't meant to support his weight. It was very dangerous. Is that true? It that is that is true, apparently, okay. that the, the failsafe was, was not working on it properly. And then there's people who say as well, which is his own, said that he didn't want to do this oh. stuff. He didn't want to do... The big scary entrance. He was a wrestler. He's a guy who was, you know, towards the tail end of his career. He was planning on retiring in a year or two after this. Oh, Jesus Christ. And you think about all the things that he was doing. And he was doing it for his family. And for this to happen. And you've got Brett over in WCW then. Who hears this. And of course, Brett's got bad vibes with the WWF. And he's coming out then saying, like, how dare you do this to, to my, my brother. Owns funeral happens. And... Shortly thereafter, there was a lot of bad blood because people really felt WWF did a bad thing or a disservice by continuing the show after the fact. And the fact that they kept their pay-per-view going for the extra hour after Owen had passed away. Mm. Their logic being, as a pay-per-view company, if they don't deliver on that pay-per-view, they're liable for, you know, blah, 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 blah. Some people saying, you heartless monsters, the show must not go on. I think the real thing that got on some people's crawls when there were people kind of saying, oh, it's what he would have wanted, or would have wanted the show to go on. I don't think anyone knows what he would have wanted in that situation. I don't think that's a topic that would have come up. No. But one of the most tragic, horrible ends to a to a life in wrestling ever, I mean, I really think it's horrible because, I mean, there's obviously been, there's no shortage of tragedy in wrestling. You don't need me to tell you that. But when you talk about a guy who was known for, for being like, a pure wrestler, you know, as someone who's there for the love of it and there to make a business, sorry, there to make money for his family and to support his family. He was never driven by ego or if it was driven by money, it was money so his kids could, you know, go to college and not have to worry and stuff like that. And the real sad thing about it is, is that Owen Hart's my favourite wrestler and we're in a room full of wrestling figures and wrestling memorabilia. And there ain't no own heart wrestling memorabilia in this room. That t-shirt that I got was something that someone made up themselves. Owns um, widow sued the company and she held them liable for what happened. Mm. She said it was their fault. It went on and on and on for a long, long time. She wrote a book that was like full of like all this scandalous stuff that was not fact-checked. It was ghost-written. She made all these accusations. Ugh. You know, and all the stuff coming out saying that, like, oh, Owen was, like, forced, and you know, to do all these horrible things in the company that he never wanted to do. As a result, Owen was basically not included in any kind of wrestling compilations. I mean, a documentary came out about him last year, but it was as, as a result of legal negotiations. It was around 50 minutes long, and it was more kind of a, hey, here was Owen Hart as a wrestler, as opposed to really getting into yeah. what he meant for, for the wrestling community and whatnot. Um, it's really sad. Owen should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. And that's because his widow does not want her husband's name associated with the company. I mean, there has been leeway and there's been concessions, obviously, because he's on the network and he's been on some DVD releases. I do believe that there is talks that there is going to be like an Owen Hart figure at some point. But then, like, it seems like every time that, like, oh, it's settled and it's done and dusted, then, like, another thing comes out. And I'm sorry I'm not, like, can give you the most up-to-up-to-up-to-date stuff about it, but, you know, the last I checked, we did an A podcast, his own tribute, 
um, you know, when we did that episode, because we did a tribute to Owen instead of covering that pay-per-view, because we thought it would be a bit poor taste. Yeah. I still kind of stand by that decision. Yeah. Even though WWE have included that pay-per-view in all its fucking gruesome glory, including Jim Ross having to announce to everyone that Owen Hart has died, that's on the network. Why? I don't know. I think that's wildly tasteless. Because I, I knew you guys did... A- an Owen Hart episode I didn't know it was mm. a tribute episode oh yeah we did a tribute episode but in the timeline in Lula's people tweeted in saying oh well you know whatever you talk about just mention the Astro podcast episode and I knew you hadn't done lots of episodes about individual wrestlers I didn't know that was why mm. I just assumed that was I don't know it was something oh that's fucking and it's really sad because I mean like the, the honest truth is I mean no one's going to be able to turn around to a widow and kind of go oh you're being unreasonable and no, it's whatever she decides to do is is going to seem reasonable to her and Christ I, I can't even imagine. and when you add in there the politics of wrestling and WCW versus WWF I know that Vince and WWF you know they there was a settlement like they did pay the family they set up like there was a foundation that was set up as well like the Owen Hart Foundation to a charitable thing and all that but the reality is and the sad truth is and we talked about like you know recent episodes like oh this guy's not on the network that guy's not on the network you know, Owen's like kind of not featured in the way that he should be, seeing as how popular he was as a wrestler and how what a big inspiration he was to so many of the current crop of talented guys that he does not get, he doesn't get like put on that pedestal that I think he should. Yeah. And I really think that's, that's really sad. You know, I really, really do. I mean, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but when I typed in like, Owen Hart Slammy Awards, one of the first things that comes up is a clip from the Adjira podcast talking about it. Where the fuck is all the lengthy stuff from WWE talking about how awesome Owen is? And obviously they can't do it because the family's got problems with it. And it ripped the, the Hart family apart quite badly. I can only imagine. you got 12 kids. There's obviously going to be some who take one side and some who take the other side. And then when, like, British Bulldog, for instance, he went back to WWF in 2000. And some people were like, that's a slap in the face to Owen. How dare you? You know, they killed your brother-in-law. And, you know, it's just... It's just horrible, and it's really. I wish I could, like, you know, put a nice positive spin on it. But honestly, I've been kind of thinking about it for since nineteen ninety nine, and other than actually understanding it a little bit more now, and I've listened to Vince Russo talk about it. I listened to the wrestlers involved talk about it. I listened to Brett and Martha talk about it. But I think I can think of a positive spin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's my place to do so, but I would say. In terms of, you know, what he would have wanted, obviously there's only so much you can guess. His wife probably has a fairly good idea, I would have hoped, his widow. But it seems like the thing he always wanted was, you know, to make people smile. He was constantly pulling these japes. Yeah. Constantly trying to, you know, be this silly, wacky guy, but also a genuinely good wrestler. I mean, he always, as 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 goofy as he could get when it, you know, it counted when it mattered, yeah. you know, it wasn't as if he was never putting on an awesome show. He no. was always putting on an awesome show. But the fact it was all of that, and he was helping these young wrestlers, and he was setting this fantastic, just such important role model to future generations, I think the positive spin we could take is, like you were saying, this current crop of you know wholesome positive wrestlers who are probably going to live long healthy lives is quite possibly an almost direct result from his influence. absolutely i think he was a real like it was really sad to see like someone who was kind of in many respects like a real kind of positive message or a positive image i think for for wrestlers 
to kind of to go in such a tragic way. It's just so horrible. And yeah, that's... I kind of there's so many wrestlers who you kind of. I mean, when Mr. Perfect passed away, you know, the the unfortunate truth was it was no surprise when he passed away. Yeah, it was kind of his own. You know, he, he did it to himself in a way. You know that the the wrestler who who frequently was taught as having drug problems died of a drug overdose. You know, and that's so sad about wrestling yeah. is that there's so many guys where it's like, oh. That guy who looked like he was slightly too big, yeah, he died of steroids. You know, just all the so many of those sad stories. And but the fact it's Owen who tried so hard his entire career not to be an ego, not to do the whole partying lifestyle, to save money wherever possible so he could send it back home, so that he could, you know, not do these ridiculous moves all the time for his own ego's sake, so that he could live long enough to mm. spend time with his kids. And then to die in the ring, that's fucking heartbreaking. It's, it's it's so horrible. And like wrestling kind of, you're talking about this is the middle of, nine, like middle of 1999. This is when wrestling was at the top of that peak. And then something like that came along. Like, so this is right in the middle of like the Attitude, Attitude Era. Era. Yeah. But this isn't when they stopped being Attitude Era. This isn't nope. when they became PG. No, they kept going. You had that tribute show week after that. Business as usual. What's Undertaker done to Steve Austin? What's the corporate oh, ministry up to? It's really sad. I mean, you can't. You you don't, you have to understand. I guess that it's such a big company and a big organization oh, yeah, no, that saying. it was always going to kind of move on and you know keep keep motoring away. That's always been their their way of doing things. But man, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And I'll tell you, I don't know. I guess it's because I could obviously see. When we were watching the stuff with Owen, I was so excited to show you all this stuff, and I could see that you were enjoying it, and it wasn't just the matches, you were getting him for the reasons why people love him, and I was so happy about that, and there was always this little bit in the back of my mind kind of going, you're going to have to talk about this thing, and that is sad, as you said, the first thing you typed in was, you know, Owen Hart into Google, and what comes up is, Owen Hart died tragically, death, dead, 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 and it's... I hate that. I absolutely I hate that so much. I do feel that whether or not WWE are responsible for his death, I don't want to go into, but I do feel their responsibility for his image after he's died. Yeah. Even if they have all these issues with his his widow. I think so, yeah. There's I mean, still things you can do to make sure I think you should be a bit responsible for your your workers like that. Well wrestling. I think was was really like touching us when Brett had a his he returned to the company after a, you know, in like a couple of years ago just to kind of, you know, come back and make amends and all that kind of stuff. And he came out like on SummerSlam and he had a t shirt on that had it was him and Owen. There's a famous image of the two of them kind of wrestling with each other. And that like meant so much the fact that you know, his image was there. It was remembered again. Because I think a lot of people could look at this and kind of think, oh, the WWE's been very callous. Oh, they're just trying to cover it over. They don't want people to know about him because he died in a tragic circumstances. It reflects badly on the company. It's not. It's what you've got is compromise. Mm. And unfortunately, thing, it's a compromise. I don't think either side is happy because no. the fans certainly don't seem to get what they should from the memory of own, I don't think. No. And I don't think... Obviously, the family isn't happy because there's still ongoing issues. I don't because I, I still don't know what this whole f- first issue was. But if there was already grounds for people from the Hart family to leave the company, yeah. they were already on bad terms. Yeah, and then this happens. Yeah. I can completely see why 
any of them would go Pe- fuck People up. have always said that if Bret Hart can make amends and just come back to the company after everything he'd been through, that surely Owen's wife can. That's, but it's no, not the same thing at all. Naive. It's it's so naive. I mean, because like, like the father Owen Hart's the children. Yeah, and Owen Hart as well. Like Owen Hart's wife. Like yes, she was married to a wrestler, but I don't think you can necessarily compare like someone coming back to the company is going to make a couple of hundred grand in the process to a widow who's trying to maybe maintain an image. But I mean, I know like having read Brett's book and read into some of it that there is like, it's not a simple case. I mean, as, as the, the, the widow is completely without like, you know, issue and she has had like, she's made allegations. Yeah. She's, she's not, she's not as innocent. I don't see she's not as innocent. She's not playing ball. I get, but I mean, like, how can you play no, ball? I guess, no, you can't. It's a fucking horrible situation. People always want it, you know, in wrestling or in the world just to have a simple explanation. That yeah, was caused like by the that. Ending, yeah. It's their fault. Life doesn't work that it's way. It's not as simple as that. But Christ, I mean, imagine the number of times, right, sitting over dinner, he must have come home battered and bruised, injured, and she's gone. Look after yourself, you know. Please, please make sure you're okay. It'll all be worth it, because in two yeah, years, you'll be like, oh, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be worth it, honey. We're gonna, you know, it's going to be fine, and we're going to be able to retire to Barbados and buy an awesome house, and our kids will go to any college they want. If his kids have been looked after and provided for, I think that's probably the most important thing, because that's why he was always working towards he wanted his family to be looked after and provided for. So, if that has happened, then I guess that's that's a good thing, but. It's a it's a real horrible thing. You, you kind of you think, oh, it's just a simple little little explanation. You lift it up and you see the kind of the black bile of wrestling politics and the Hart family kind of infighting. You know, there's it's it's just a fucking. It takes a lot more than a, a podcast chatting about own heart to get to the bottom of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is sad. It really is. But I guess I think the positives that we can bear on is the influence that Owen has had, his ability to synthesize that style. You know, popularizing. That kind of a creepy heel, that kind of heel that wasn't just a big nasty bastard or a big scary guy or a total crook just being like, you know, a little creep. I see so much of Owen in Seth Rollins. <laughs> I see so much of Owen in Kevin Owens, yeah. in Chris Jericho. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most positive things is that maybe if Owen isn't necessarily, you know, as obviously celebrated as we think he should, if you look at the style of wrestlers, I'm pretty sure... Most of the crop of those current top guys would list Owen Hart as being one of their influences. I wonder if Owen Hart had never existed, if I would be even as much of a wrestling fan now as. Who knows? I mean, you have just listed my three favourite wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's. It's it's interesting. You ever read a wrestling autobiography of anyone who kind of came up around this time, and they'll always mention Owen, either like his ribs or him like influencing them or him helping them out or him having an awesome match and he's someone who i really hope i mean i think i said this last time we did the podcast trivia episode i really hope that we can kind of always just try and focus on the the positives and there's so much joy there i mean that's one of the great thing about the network even though he's not featured he is there if you do a bit of searching there's so much great stuff there's so many great own heart matches and the best thing about them is that he wrestled during a time when a lot of people didn't watch wrestling. Mm. It may surprise you that Owen Hart and Yokozuna had an amazing run as a tag team, for instance, or all these guys you had these great matches with or great feuds with that you most people probably haven't watched because it wasn't when wrestling was super cool or super popular. And I was able to find, even from doing this, matches of Owens that I'd not seen and still be able to be fucking blown away. He wrestled 
thousands of matches and most of them are available to watch and I think if you really want to spend time like you can find some amazing stuff from him from when he was in Japan and around the world there is a lot of amazing own heart stuff out there we started watching a compilation of his promos and he's got some amazing promos as well I mean there's so much about own that is there to enjoy and I hope that we'll get to a point where WWE will start to put this together and make proper collections not just kind of shambolic documentaries that Bret Hart says aren't worth the DVDs they're printed on. Yeah, I, I really, really hope that they manage to resolve just any amount of what's going on. I just kind of hope that everyone can be kind of happy. You know, I want well, I the family to be happy. I want the fans yeah. to be able to get what they want. It might be wishful thinking. I think that is probably slightly wishful thinking. I just hope that everyone feels um, not too hard done by, I guess. But that's probably even wishful thinking. Mm, it is. It's a sad situation. I guess that's the sad point about if you go through lots of wrestling, you will hit these moments. And I guess... That's the real sad or hard thing about introducing someone into wrestling is that for every really great moment you show them, there is also these really sad moments in wrestling. Do you know what's really depressing, though? What's that? It is hard as a, as a new wrestling fan. And I know we've not covered a huge number of wrestlers who've died, but in terms of the percentage, I'd say it's, what, 20% of the wrestlers we've covered so far have had some kind of sad death mm. or died too early. Mm. And it's just, I know things are different now, Partly thanks to Owen Hart that wrestlers aren't overdoing it as much as they as they used to. But it is hard watching that and knowing that even the wrestlers that look after themselves and are trying so hard to be you know, like Kevin Owens with his family and his mm. kids and a freak accident can be all it takes to end a career. I guess many people will kind of go, I guess that's more to the benefit of the fact that, you know, that they wouldn't do something as fucking harebrained yeah. as that. It's like a real stupid stunt. Because, I mean, regardless if you want to say whose fault or whose blame it was, that's a stupid stunt to be doing. You don't need to do that in wrestling, I guess. I'm thankful for health and safety gone mad. <laughs> and people putting up tiny fences on ridiculously short ledges. Yeah. Which is like, that's ridiculous. Come on, no one's going to fall off there. No, I'm glad for it now. Anything like that is good. Please protect all these wrestlers yeah i want them to live to retire our next presenter is the self wait a minute what's this oh and hard slammy award winner well i did it again and you know what no no you're presenting this You gotta be thankful, my man. Owen spent a whole year of his life promoting this crummy show. I did it again! Yes! And I have nobody to thank. Once again, I did it all by my sweet little self. Two times Slammy Award winner. I knew it. I'm a winner. I did it. Woo! Hey, Bulldog, you may have two titles, but you don't have two Slammies. Yeah. And speaking of that, Vader and Mankind, this Sunday at WrestleMania, you're going to be in for the fight of your life because the Bulldog and myself, we haven't been better ever. And we're going to beat you and mankind. And you know what, Vader? You don't have two slammies like I do because you're losers and we're winners. Me and my slammies. <laughs> so, on to tweets, I guess. Got some lovely tweets here, which, of course, make a bit more sense to me now that I've learned what I've learned. Um, Podcast Activate on Twitter says, I've always wondered if we'd have seen Brett back in WWE sooner if we didn't lose Owen. Mm, it's possible. I mean, it did, it did 
definitely bear on him for a long time. Particularly initially, he did hold the company quite accountable for it. And he thought that it was a lot of their wrongdoing. Yeah. But I think it was over the process of time that like, and saw some of the kind of, you know, he was involved in a lot of the litigation stuff that happens. But I think he did come around to it. I mean, like he doesn't hold them responsible for that now. That's, okay. that's, that's definitely true. Goodnight Love 35 says, An amazing wrestler I wish I could have been around for as a fan. Love Owens so much, the most selfless of the Hart family. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the Hart family are characterised by not such nice things. That thing that Owen was talking about, you know, we talked about Owen, what his goals were and what he wanted to do. There are a lot of the Hart family who, quite frankly, would have stepped over any other member of the Hart family to get a little bit of success for themselves and have done some quite shitty things. Brett's not like completely squeaky clean. He's done shit as well. But Owen was by far, you know, the youngest of the hearts and also the one that seemed to have the best qualities, the most virtues, I guess. Mm. Captain Trash says, probably the greatest wrestler to come out of North America, maybe the world. Wow. Always fun, never too serious. I like that. Yeah, there's something about wrestlers who take themselves too seriously. And that was probably one of the things that people, that pushed people away from Brett and draw more to Owen was that Brett always took himself very seriously. People thought, oh, do you have to take yourself that seriously to be that good? And here was Owen, who was probably just as good in the ring and yet was able to have, you know, be lighthearted. Owen was never going to storm out of a room or storm out of a building because he didn't like the finish or he didn't like working with someone. He'd do whatever. Case in point, like, you know, he would do any of these kind of angles, work with anyone, and he would always make it work because he loved to wrestle. Jamie316 says, it speaks to his talent and originality that he was never known for just being Bret Hart's brother. Yeah, I mean, to actually take something like Bret, I mean, Bret Hart, I mean, if you look at anyone who's kind of a younger brother, or even oftentimes like a son even, of, or a daughter of wrestlers, it's a, it's a steep hill to climb. And to actually still keep... The heart name, sharpshooter, similar ring attire, and yet no one's ever going to get the two of those mixed up, or no one's going to go, ah, Brett's way better than Owen. It was always like a, a proper rivalry, absolutely. I think it says a lot about him that out of all the tweets we've gotten, like I said, huge number of them were match recommendations. But by far and away, other than the, the nugget comments... The next popular tweet was just people talking about how funny he was. People yeah. were constantly going on about the ribs, him being the locker room clown. I've we've received so many. Just... Am I right in saying that like it's probably of all the tweets that we've gotten for wrestler, it's probably like the most positive, I guess, because there's no one kind of going, ah, oh, he's overrated, or I don't watch this match, or yeah, except for that thing. It always seems because I glance through and it all seems to be like real, like heartfelt. He made a positive impression on me because, or I guess so. Honestly, it's it was hard for me to, to get that opinion because so many of them were Owen Hart is a piece of shit. <laughs> so I did, you know, like the context of this episode yeah, has probably really helped you with these now tweets. I now I realise they were fond, like yeah. affectionate comments. Obviously, beforehand I thought maybe people just hated him, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I think yeah, people seem to love him. Got a tweet here from Yes Mode Games. I only knew him as the wrestler who died in 99, but then I listened to the Attitude Era podcast episode on him, and now he's an absolute favourite. That was probably one of the, the nicest things about doing that podcast, was the fact that, you know, Adam, who watched during the Attitude Era, he knew, because he started watching after Owen had passed, and all he knew about was Owen as the wrestler who died, and Billy knew him as the wrestler who died. 
And what was so nice is that I was always thinking in my head, kind of going, am I just an own heart super fan who kind of puts too much emphasis on how funny he is or how good he is because he died in a tragic circumstance and I feel I have to kind of overcompensate for that by being, hey, everyone, look at own heart, he's great. And I'll tell you, you've watched it, Billy's watched it, Adam's watched it, three very, very different people from three very, very different backgrounds with very, very different levels of knowledge. And you've all reached the same conclusion, is that he's funny, he's impressive to watch when he's wrestling, and he's a good person. And I think those are that's why I love so much. There's something so universal about him. I've never met a wrestling fan who's not had some positive memory or some positive impression of own. And if a wrestler can make me laugh, that's always such an important thing. I think it's so important to be able to laugh in wrestling because it's men and women wrestling around in little pants, and that is funny, and that needs to be accentuated with some humour. But also I like to be impressed, and Owen was able to, to do all those things. And that's why he's always going to be probably my favourite wrestler. I think he's a special place in my heart. And if I hear people who are getting into Own or f- discovering Own, that's all the more... That makes me so happy. Yeah, you know what? Fuck WWE. If they can't <laughs> do what we'd like them to do, I think it's awesome that you've been responsible for loads of people discovering how great he is. And that's fantastic. It means more to me through my podcast that if I've made someone kind of go, oh shit, Own Heart, he's actually pretty cool and not just someone who died. That means like way more to me than like so many things to do a podcast success, to be honest. That probably really is what he would have wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's a winner, damn it. And he did it all by his sweet little self. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this very... I don't say it was very taxing, but it definitely was a, quite an emotional episode in many ways. Um, it's one thing telling your uh, your two knucklehead friends you talk about the attitude with about all these tragic events, but I was really like, I was dreading talking to you about this. I really, really... I can imagine going through this whole... All the matches we watched, the whole episode that we've just recorded, and knowing that's in the back of your head, you've got to tell me that. That must be hard. It was really fucking hard. We'll pour you a nice big glass of wine, Yes, I I did it! I managed to not cry during the episode! I'm a winner! (laughs) Woo! And let me tell you something, Joanna Graham. You did not cry when talking about (laughs) Owen And you don't have two slammies. But yeah, it's been a a blast talking about Owen. This was an episode that is definitely like... uh, a milestone episode in many ways. We love to talk about own. That's kind of that's a big deal. If you're a new fan or trying to get someone into wrestling, I should say, don't fucking start by telling them about own. They need to be eased into this. <laughs> I would say because it is it's it's quite emotional, you know, highs and lows and all that. And you know what? Usually this is a point where we would do our promos and or you know, hey, go check out all the other things, yada, yada, yada. If you've reached this point, there's probably the most important thing that you can do right now. An amazing suggestion by Joe, and this is very touching on our phone. Just go tell some about own heart, okay? Yeah. That, that's, that's your homework for this week. Contribute to the part of the internet which doesn't come up as the number one result of Owen Hart died tragically. Let's try and make it more positive than that. Exactly. This is what, this is a, it, it seems like something very heartfelt. It's just SEO. That's all we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my content strategy yeah, here. Contrary <laughs> to, to make, make it so depressing to talk about Owen. But yeah, seriously, do that this week. Okay, we're not promoting anything. You just go tell us about Owen Hart. Show him Owen Hart stealing the Sammy Awards. Read about own heart accidentally getting someone arrested, okay? Do do that, alright? Watch an own heart match. Watch own and breath, okay? Take 20 minutes of your day, show someone own and breath, and make a positive impact on their life, okay? I swear it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. I need to go lie down now, I think. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll catch you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.